Welcome to episode 419 of Conversation Street. How you doing, everybody? I'm doing okay. Gemma? I'm doing great. Yeah, Gemma's doing much. good. doing okay today. That's okay. I am Michael, one I'm of your hosts. Gemma. She's Gemma, the other one. And today we're going to be... both well. We're well, we're well. Gemma's having a route around. I'm and finding a pen, for God's sake. Finding a pen for the quiz to come. Yes, the quiz. Yes. We're going to talk about the episodes of Coronation Street between the 18th and the 22nd of May um, in today's podcast, which is episodes 10,063 to 10,065. Speaking of quizzes, we did a little quiz of our own yesterday, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Well, we took part in a quiz. Yes, we did, yes. Jane Danson hosted a quiz on YouTube on behalf of the Liddy Foundation, which is the charity that works with Coronation Street on the Ollie storyline about mitochondrial disease. So she was raising money um, for the Lily Foundation to help support them and uh, doing, was it like various rounds of like tr- um, soap questions, yeah, there was like sports. And we, we didn't see the whole thing because we were out, we were out having a walk at the beginning, weren't we? We, we were on the walk when the uh, eight o'clock clap for carers started. We didn't mean to, but no. we did walk down our road while everyone was we clapping and, and it felt groceries. a bit weird. Um, yeah, we, we got and back I was, and we were walking along the road and everyone was clapping and I was pretending I was doing the marathon and they were going, yeah, go on, <laughs> yeah. And the quiz so was... I highly recommend it if anyone wants to go for a walk around that time. Just don't make a habit of it because people will think you're weird. <laughs> um, the quiz was uh, from Jane's home, obviously. And uh, yeah, she, she was just you know, asking questions to the camera and there were, I can't remember what some of the rounds were. You say, yeah, there was a soap round, which I thought, oh, brilliant, we're in there. But eight questions, I got two right. So hopefully I'm going to... Um, get better than that in your in your quiz but to be fair only two of the quest questions were about coronation street so i'll uh i'll let that one drop there was what was there there was a question there was a quiz where all of the answers were single letters and i got like six good. out of eight for that that was quite that, that, that idea for a quiz um and one of those questions one of the questions on the quiz was a pokemon question and one of the questions on the quiz was a spice girls question so Obviously, and as soon as right she said that, you got your ears perked up. I did, I did. But it was really fun. Jane, Jane did an excellent job. Um, and yeah, it was, a, it was a nice way to, to spend an hour yesterday. And it was also, we, we got a chance to see her toaster. I know, somebody requested to see her toaster. They said, show us your toaster and we'll give you £47.50 or something. So Such she was a like, random number. you mean that? You really? So, yes, that's quite funny. Anyway, we really enjoyed that. And um, yeah, it was all for a, a jolly good cause. So congratulations for any money that was raised through that Mm -hmm. um we've got a competition we do we have a competition we mentioned this last week but didn't actually do anything about it well Um, we spoke for at length last week about the coronation street stamps that are being released by the royal mail in about a week's time i think i think maybe it's at the end of next week and And if after all that you still want to get yourself some (laughs) even the Gemma one um we are giving away a presentation pack um, worth £14.20. It's got uh, all the stamps on it. It's got the eight special stamps, the four Rover stamps, and it's also got a special edition of the Weatherfield Gazette, which I think the only that's the only set that has yeah, that. Yeah, it's like a little extra. double-sided mini uh, Gazette. I don't know much about like. what it's going to look like, but I'm very excited for when it's going to come because we've ordered one for ourselves as well. So if you'd like to win it, um, we have got a special competition 
and um, we're going to pick the winner at random. So you don't have to be clever if you don't want to. But we thought we would make this a bit more interesting. And we'd like you to email us and tell us who you think should be put on a stamp. If you're in charge of doing the Coronation Street special edition stamps, who would you put on a stamp? So it's just, just one character? Whatever you like. And why? Whatever. Whatever, it doesn't matter. Just email us. with, but Put it in an email with like stamp competition as the header or something and, and write something in there. We'll enter you into our prize drawer and we'll, we'll pick randomly. Like I said, then. it's random, so don't, you know. Yeah. Um, so hopefully, yeah, good don't luck with that. Don't stress about it. It's just also, a bit I mean, uh, Coronation Street Blogger are running a competition for the same thing at the moment. I think that closes tomorrow, so tomorrow at noon. So if you listen to this really, really soon and you haven't entered that yet, you can always enter that Quickly. and have a go with that. And then also, Royal Mail are, winning, are doing a competition themselves, yeah, aren't they? they are. where you, you can enter? win one of these. I haven't entered this well, yet. Well, how not? I did, oh, that's time. You asked me. I, I know, I just, I just haven't done anything about it. Well, if it. you want to enter our competition, the deadline is Wednesday next week and you need to email us at conversationstreet yeah, at lunch, gmail. Lunchtime on Wednesday, let's say. There or thereabouts. You need to email us at conversationstreet at gmail.com with stamp comp as the header and let us know who you think should be put on a stamp. Can I just say that the, the, the Royal Mail competition is a photo competition and people have to send in photos of themselves dressed up as Coronation Street stars so I was thinking of sending me dressed as the Blackpool Butcher and Gemma dressed as post-bludgeoning Tina McIntyre both yeah. from uh, previous Halloween parties that we've done. We maybe have we, to say... Maybe we give that one away with ourselves as well. <laughs> well, I mean, if we win that one... Then we can have two to give away in our competition. I don't know. I think you're being a bit previous. I think you you did a, your costume's a very good version of a character that nobody remembers. Yeah. My my is a is an average version of a character that is fairly. What's the word? Undistinctive because I didn't have an orange tan. No, and but I tried you really had your hoop hard. earrings. And I, yeah. I spent ages and ages drawing in my eyebrows and I still couldn't quite achieve the But yours was effect. creative because it was post-bludgeoning teaching. You had like red marks over you. It was after you'd been hit over the head with your, with your crowbar, wasn't it? That was a cool com- a competition. Uh, not a competition, a school costume. It is a cool competition as well. Many chances to win the stamps and you know what, you can also buy them too. Yeah, you can if you want to. Like 14, a 20. <laughs> Good luck everybody that's entering any of those competitions and we'll find out hopefully in next week's podcast who the winner of our competition is. So don't forget to give us an email. Now, Gemma, on to the quiz. the quiz. Now? I would love to do the quiz now. I reckon we you should. Got, you got a good one. It's all right. <laughs> Lovely. I'm not going to toot my own horn Is it here. as good as Jane Danson's quiz? No. Oh. Um, although I will probably keep better track of what the question is. You'll give me the answers. And how many, yeah, give you the she answers. She kept forgetting to give the answers out. She kept forgetting that there were eight questions in each round oh, as well. It's so her. funny. She, she was really, she was so She lovely. was lovely. We were like Jen Dancer because she, she read out some of our comments that we put in the YouTube yeah, really. comments. That's all it takes. Just say yeah. Conversation Street on, on the live stream <laughs> and we're yours. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's very cheap. 18th to the 22nd of May, events that happened in years ending in a zero and a five, Source from coronationstreet.fandom.com. First question. 18th of May, 1970. Which character appears for the first time in the show since 13th of July, 1966, when Irma Barlow meets up with her in a nightclub while on a date with Dave Smith? Bat. Lynch. Correct. <laughs> How many episodes in total did Bet Lynch appear in? Oh, that's a silly question. How many episodes in total... Do I, how, how close do I need to be to the nearest, what, 100, 1,000, 10,000? Nearest, nearest 10. <laughs> um, I'm going to say that Bet was in mm, 1,300 episodes. No, one, 
1976. Oh, wow. Way under Zelda then. Yeah. 18th of May, 2005. Norris decides to get the book club to raise money to publish which author's next book? Mm, uh, I'm thinking probably Mel Hutch, right? Yeah, who played Mel Hutch, right? Is that Ian McKellen? Correct. 19th of May, 1965. Which royal visits Weatherfield and nearly gets diverted down Coronation Street thanks to a burst water main? It's the Queen. Yeah. She ends up going down Rosamond Street. Yeah, we didn't say that one wasn't on the DVD as well. That's a shame. 19th of May, 2000. First appearance of which character? Oh, I saw about this on Twitter this week. It was uh, Maria, wasn't it? Yeah. Maria pre-makeover when she was a a female Tyrone. Dowdy. She was a dowdy Maria. Dowdy kennel maid. 20th of May, 2005. How much does Mel con the book club out of... Per person. You got so you got a good mixture of impossible questions and easy questions this week. And How what much was the book she, called? The book was called Hard Grinding. No. Wasn't it? No, that was the book he already wrote. Oh. Um how much did he come out of? Thirty pounds. No. What? Two hundred quid each. Oh. <laughs> the book was called The Canary's Last Song. Okay. <laughs> How poetic. Twentieth of May two thousand and fifteen. Steve has a panic attack at the thought of going on a minibus for a stag day, but what traumatised him originally? Um what uh, originally when? Before the stag do? What was he? No, after the stag do. No, so he's psychic and he can see into the future. It, it is the is the fact that Last time he was in a minibus, it crashed. Did that yeah. traumatise him? Okay. Good question. I wasn't looking in the mirror. <laughs> 22nd of May, 2000. The sight of Maria with who sends Tyrone into a jealous fury? Ah, oh, Kirk. Yeah. Played by someone else other than Andy Wyman. Uncredited extra, That's I why think. he was confused, probably. <laughs> 22nd of May, 1985. Final question. Kevin Webster moves into the street as who's lodger? Hilda. Hey. Oh, nice nice selection of One, questions two, this week. Three, I like that. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eight out of eleven. Eight out of eleven. I will Pretty take that. Pretty respectable score there, dear. Thank you, darling. <laughs> right, birthdays. Do birthdays. Yes, well, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it in your good hands as always. Well, shut up then. 23rd of May, Jane Bickerton, who played Yana Lum. <laughs> she's great. She's she's good on Twitter, isn't I she? Know, Jane wish Bickerton. Her a happy birthday, everybody. Yes, make sure First you do it. When's that? 20, 23rd? Tomorrow, Is yeah. it tomorrow? Can it's I say Saturday, happy birthday to her? 23rd. 24th of May, Stephen Beckett, who played Matt Ramsden, and Naomi Ryan, who's Bobby Lewis. 26th of May, Lucy Evans, who played Lauren Wilson. 28th of May, Anne Reid, who played Valerie Barlow. Never heard of her. And Michelle Collins, who played Stella Price. Never heard of her. <laughs> <laughs> oh, blimey, lest we forget. 29th of May, this is an important one, H.V. Harry Kershaw was born. He is a massive... Um, Influential writer and producer yes. on the show. If you don't know that, <laughs> Ian Igbon, who was uh, Tony Stewart the first, and Adam Rickett, Nick Tilsley the second. Ah, oh, Nick, lovely. That's Happy it. birthday to all those people. Happy right, birthday. time to talk about this week's Coronation Street and Street Talk. So let's move on. Okay, Street Talk time, and uh, two stories this really. Is a heavy week. It, yeah, it was. I mean, in a different way to, say, the Yasmin week, which was, what, two, three weeks ago? Um, but, yeah, two main stories. And it was... Uh, I didn't know which one to put as our, you know, headliner right. uh, for today. But I'm, I'm sticking with what I had already, which is a serious case of the Ollie Wobbles first, because that definitely was, um, you know, a big 
took over the first half of the week at least. But um, the 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 Bailey's story, uh, which really came to a head today, was also pretty affecting, particularly as they um, dedicated the whole second half of today's episode just to that one story. Um, similar, I guess, to how they did with the Yasmin episode. So interesting mm. that they're kind of exploring those different ways to really push the big important stories to the forefront so we'll do the ollie wobbles first and then it was we called it don't don don be mean last week but don't be don be racist this week because we think don he is. is racist he might he might not think he is just having a joke but, i can't believe mm. anybody in this day and age can think that they're not racist if they say things like that but I okay I, th- I think he must like know he is, but like, yeah. If you get accused of that, I guess you're I... just naturally going to say, "No, I'm not." Well, I think maybe you think, "Well, I'm not doing anything." Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not the one putting the the dog poo through their letterbox, so I'm it's not just, racist. It's just, it's just taking the I'm not saying out it, people. I'm not saying it to his face. Well, move on. We'll, we'll come back. Yeah. Um, then we've got. There's there was a bit of winter blues this week. Um, tiny bit of the even and Arthur storyline even tinier bit of the David story but I think these first two are going to take up quite a bit of our discussion time first so we'll start off with uh, with Leanne and Stephen Ollie um, and the the cliffhanger on Friday last week was that um, Ollie had been brought into Weatherfield General with a like his worst seizure yet and he they just couldn't get him to stop but fortunately that was solved pretty quickly at the beginning of Monday's episode because they don't need a cliffhanger anymore because the episode started so he's like okay I'll, I'll stop my season now but they're going to go and take him for an MRI scan later so it's still looking pretty serious Tracy's still saying well, god we have epilepsy hasn't it which was just basically soap code for it's definitely not epilepsy um there was there was a scene with Toya and Liz back at the flat after that and then Liz is completely um she's fraught with worry about the, the whole situation um she wonders like why are they taking him for all these different scans? Are they, why aren't they telling us everything? Yeah, is are they? Is there something? In, there must be something in particular they're looking for. And I think that's all something that, uh, that many of us have worried about or had experiences in the past, where doctors don't want to tell you everything until they've got the bigger picture, and because they don't want to get you off looking thinking one way or you know, or googling like was was a part of the story this week. But um, yeah, so I thought that was. Um, very relatable Liz's reaction and uh, Toya has to put on a brave face as well because she's obviously going through a lot as well what with this being her um, her nephew but she's uh, she's quite supportive to Liz which is lovely um, and I, I'd forgotten as well um, with Toya and Liz they used to be work colleagues too not That's that true. we not that we really ever saw much of Toya there but you kind of think well that they must have had quite a quite a relationship for that you know, year, two years that they, they were mates there. Um, Tracy's um, back in the hospital realising that, yeah, it's not actually looking too good, is it? And then finally, we um, get to see from Dr Ward, who reports back to Leanne and Steve about changes that she's detected in the back of Oliver's brain. And now she wants to do genetic blood test. Um, they say it's I can't was it I can't remember whether it was Monday or last week that it was first brought up the idea of it being genetic. Do you remember? Yeah, it was last week. So it, and, and people kept saying, "Oh, I I, I had oh, this yeah, and that's I had right. that." Yeah, and Andy had seizures when he was a baby, and Jim's got this, and um, the, the, Steve brings it up again, and she's like, it, "It's it doesn't seem to be and following Nick, the same patterns as what your dad had." And Nick's like, "I was in a car crash once, and I've got a brain injury," and they're like, "Nick." You're not it's related, not Nick. Nothing to do with you. Just rubbing it in, Nick. <laughs> You're nothing to do with this baby. Oh my god. Um, 
Liz uh, goes to the cafe and finds Simon and Amy and Emma very, very conveniently all together around a table in the cafe and catches them up with what's going on. They're obviously um, pretty shocked to realise just how bad this is looking. Um, and then she and Toya arrive at the hospital. Nick's there with Ollie and there's a really... I felt I felt really bad for Nick this week. This was really interesting to me I, because I, Nick the, is the outsider in this. Yeah. And they did a really great job of... I think so. Um, ...building sympathy for him as sort of looking at it from a, you know, not the not the inner circle, but still being invested emotionally in the child and... Yeah, it was very, you know, very modern story reflection of the fact that, you know, the, the nuclear family isn't prevalent. The nuclear family hasn't existed in Weatherfield since 1975. <laughs> Very true. Uh, yeah, so he, he he's like pouring his heart out, basically, saying, I know he's not my flesh and blood, but I still love him like he was. Um, Leanne and Steve, meanwhile, are being told that, yeah, it's, it's a genetic disease um, that, that well, Oliver's got. What it is. Yeah, it's, it's mitochondrial disease, which he, he, they, they notice, they've noticed that he's got high lactate um, which is leading them to think that it's mitochondrial disease, and, and you've done a bit of research about this, haven't you? So you can uh, report back on your findings oh later, God. although it was a few days ago. Um, anyway, she gives them a bit of a science lesson about it and says, "Look, stay don't off the, it. don't go googling it, don't don't go looking online for any answers or advice or anything. Apart from if you go to itv.com/advice, because we got sponsored from Compare the Meerkat there, so that's that's how we get our hospital funds." <laughs> Wednesday, uh, Leanne and Steve have been. Um, up all night at the hospital uh, Tracy shows up then I thought there was a really it was it was in the corridor Tracy turns up and she just has a hug with Steve outside yeah. and she I think she's been quite restrained for Tracy in this <laughs> story she can be serious when she needs to be I think she she knows when it's not time the time the yeah yeah um back on the street Nick's telling Gail that Leanne still hasn't rung him yet and he's he's clearly overwhelmed by the whole situation and Gail says look I'll open up the factory. You go and sort this out, and Leanne will cope. It's a difficult situation for her as well, remember, but you just need to keep loving her and supporting her, and, and you'll get through this together. Um, so he goes over to the hospital, and, and Leanne gives him a big old hug and says, Oh, it's all my fault. Why didn't I notice anything sooner? I felt blah, blah, blah. so bad for her because it really did, you know, could totally understand how upset yeah. she was, and she blamed herself because she thought uh, she every, had just everyone's seen reactions seemed very before. natural in this. If I had only known before now, we could have fixed this. And yeah. the sad you fact couldn't. of the matter is, you couldn't mm. have done anything. Yeah. But that doesn't make it any better. Steve, meanwhile, has gone against the advice of Dr. Ward and has started uh, voggling it. And, and he's like, oh, it says here that there's different levels of the condition. So, you know, we, we don't know what sort it is that Ollie's got. He, he just wants answers, doesn't he? Of he's course. kind of, That's yeah, the in, in the role of... Information. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so they go and see Dr. Ward again and they they can't say 100% it's mitochondrial disease, as they were told on Monday, or if it is what type it could be. And Steve's just like, I need to know if my son is going to live or die. Because he's been thinking, that's what he's been thinking. But then Leanne, who's probably been thinking it as well, but to hear it out loud. Yeah, it's kind of like her worst fears materialised in that moment. It's almost like she's been thinking it. And if if Steve's thinking it too, then it must be true that Ollie's going to die. Well, because she hasn't looked it up and he has. So she she might be thinking, God, he knows. He knows Mm. about this. And they're not telling us because they don't want us to worry, but he's going to die. Yeah. And she just freaks out and leaves yeah so they, they have a bit of a catch up in the corridor later and Steve says that these, these doctors they know something they're, they're not letting on either who knows uh, uh, maybe but that's that's what okay that's what you'd think if you 
if, if you're not getting answers, you well, think that people are hiding things from you. going to tell you at that precise moment, you know, I don't know all the facts, but here's stuff to worry about. Yeah, exactly. And Leanne says, look, we just need to trust her. And uh, yeah, it's all just all, all very fraught. Um, yeah. I, I didn't get, and maybe I need to rewatch this, the scenes with Gail and Liz and Amy. And Liz is looking after Amy in her grandmotherly role. And Gail finds them in the cafe later and is saying are there, are there any news and about this genetic disease that ollie's got and it, it seems like she's put her foot in her mouth about it about mentioning what it is or what it might be in front of amy uh, maybe I didn't really... it's also because amy might start to worry oh gosh what if i've got it yeah i got it off my dad and i know my dad's got this and my granddad's got that i I think that they might have tested Amy for it when she was a baby. I no, can't I know, say for but, sure, but... Yeah, but that's for something different, isn't uh, it? Oh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Um, but that that doesn't really get picked up for the week, so I guess that, that might... It might if, if it's relevant, they'll bring it back up again. Probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so then there's a, a scene in the hospital that ends this the episode great. where Steve and Leanne um, are with Ollie in the bed and Nick's kind of at the foot of the bed feeling like a total spare wheel. Um, and, and Steve and Leanne are talking about Ollie's childhood, or even even, even earlier childhood, because he's still just wee wee little lad at the moment. And and they're talking about this clown toy that they used to call George Clowney, which I thought was great. And they're pun yeah. maestros. Um, and they then they're laughing about this, and which again is, I, I think, natural to want to find the humour in places. Well, they're just, rem- they're just going, retreating to happy memories. Yeah. But Nick feels a bit like that it's the funeral and they're talking about Ollie's life and having a wake and he just can't cope yeah. with them talking and laughing about it. Yeah, so he goes, he sort of drops off to the corridor and then Leanne comes out with him and, and they have a bit of an argument Well, don't there. forget also that Nick really, like we said, I just said he's had this brain injury and... The, you know, the mechanics of it have never been properly explained on the show because it's very convenient for whenever they want him to to be rude or whatever or angry about something, he'll just blame it on that. But mm. perhaps um, this brain injury is making it more difficult for him to yeah, contain maybe. They his emotions. They haven't mentioned that yet, have no, they? But no, but I, don't th- I don't it think feels Nick's like... a very impulsive character and it, it all stems from that brain thing. Yeah. And I don't know whether the writers have forgotten that that's what or they just think it's part of his personality no, I think, I think they'll bring it up because it certainly seems like Nick is a, an important character in this story well, I know, but it's not more, about... more so than Tracy it's, it's not about Nick but I no, think I'm Nick's just saying, role is that's what I'm just saying like this you know he's sitting there and he just literally bursts out of the room because he can't yeah it. and he's like how can you be laughing at a time like this and she says look this is just about Oliver this is about me Steve Oliver's mum and dad trying to get through a horrendous situation that we're in and he's like, oh, his mum and dad, well, what am I then? And she's like, I don't care what you are right now. And makes him go. That was awful. Uh, yeah, awkward. But, no, awful, not awkward. But again, very... Oh, totally Very natural. yeah. Because her, her little kid's life could be on the line well, she's here. she's like, I don't have time she, to babysit your emotional yeah. state at the Nick's moment. I'm the one that's... Petty. But, but, you know, he's still going through something. As well, mm. it's so awful. Yeah, being on the periphery of a family tragedy and yeah. and feeling feeling uh, emotion and and sadness, but knowing that how you feel is nowhere near how everyone else feels. But um, you know, you can't you, feeling like you you you're not in, it's not your place to share in the grief, but it but it is. Mm. 
it's just um, a different level. Yeah, and, and we, we had a couple of scenes on Friday from this, although it was the Bailey story that took the lion's share. Um, Toya turns up at the hospital and Leanne's just, she's... She lets it all out, doesn't she? Yeah. She'd been she'd been keeping it together a little bit, Ooh, but with with her oh sister there, God. she kind of pulled her heart out a bit. And uh, Toy gives a bit of a supporting hug. She's like, "Cancelling time, here I go." Well, she counsels her to apologise to Nick, which she is does. crazy because they were standing there. Wise words, Toya. Yeah, they go out the front, don't they? And then Nick's there looking all broody. So uh, Leanne goes over and apologises for being a cowbag. And he says, oh, no, I was the cowbag. <laughs> he's, he's like, sorry. He says, I'm sorry, I'm all doom and gloom. I'm just really, really struggling with this. And they, they leave oh, it as a, what are we going to do? Kind of, kind of cliffhanger that could be not resolved, but picked up as and when Coronation Street wants to. Yeah. So um, I, I, thought, I thought this was good this week. Um, it is miserable and depressing and, and I'm hearing people saying, oh, it's another tragic story. When we talked about it last week and does Corrie really need another tragedy medical and, and me- tragedy. medical drama and hopeless situation that seems like there's there's only one way this is going to end. Even and, like medical shows like Casualty are less depressing because you don't feel that attached to the people who come in mm. rock up with an arrow through their eyeball. Yeah. I'm I'm still keeping the same stance as last week though, which is they need to do this properly and I think they need to kill Ollie off as as harsh as that makes me seem. Uh, and I know it, I know it does, but I, I don't, what? it's got to have, it's got to have some kind of but payoff. I don't want it second. to be, and it was all okay. Well, no, it's not going, I don't think it's going to be. I mean, like you said, I looked up um, mitochondrial disease um, so it's I remember you saying it was something it, was, it tends to do with the mitochondria obviously in the cell which right, is okay. go on, go on A-level biology I got a D in you got a C in A-level biology I don't do D, yourself down I got a D in systems oh. <laughs> I got an A in ecology because it was just like foxes eat mice <laughs> do that bit um, but what happens if all the mice die out the foxes go hungry <laughs> A plus um, anyway so um Lots of people probably know this, but mitochondria, um, that is the bit of the cell that produces energy for the cell. And there's two types of DNA. There's mitochondrial DNA and nuclear DNA. And the nuclear DNA is the one you're, you mostly think about when you think about your DNA, because that's the bit that your cells use to, to make you. And mitochondria, the DNA, that comes from your mother. So, so I was reading earlier as well that because mitochondria they're producing the energy for the cells. That if there's something not right with them, as in Ollie's case, then certain sort of vital organs of the body, if they're the cells where the mitochondria are effective, don't work so well. So you haven't got as much energy for your brain, haven't got as much energy well, for your heart, for your liver, and so on. So these organs fail. Catastrophic thing to have wrong with you. It's like if your en- your engine couldn't get energy from petrol, you know, you wouldn't be able to drive very far or very well. Nice. Well, um, so um, the people who suffer from mitochondrial disease or have are families, they call it mito, mm. which you might hear maybe in the show at some point. You, but, you mito heard already. Uh-huh. Um, Inappropriate. It, right, so, so this mitochondrial disease is a mutation in the mitochondria which causes a massive umbrella of different problems which manifest in different ways, can be diagnosed in different ways, different cells and, and different parts of the body, as you just said, can be affected. And you can grow, grow into adulthood and not know that you've got it until it catches up with you. Or you can get it when you're very, very young 
and it seems as though the younger you are diagnosed with this the younger it becomes apparent that you have a problem the more serious the outcome is going to be and the because if you think about it as a cumulative yeah yeah if it's problem, already got this bad and exactly. you're only little then yeah it's it's happening quickly um and yeah so there's loads of there's loads of different things that can be wrong with you you can have seizures you can have fatigue vision problems hearing loss um cognitive disabilities poor growth it can be in your brain your heart your lungs your liver your skin and there is no cure for it mm. and um it can i mean this is the problem that the doctors have. It feels like one of these things where it's an umbrella term that means loads of different things. Well, like cancer. Like cancer. And it manifests in different ways. And it can be awful or it can be, you know... Yeah. I don't... But the I bottom line for Steve and Leanne in this is that this is a, an, a, a degree... A, a disease with no cure. And so it is life-limiting. Yes, yes. But the, the question is... Does Ollie have a little bit of time left or is he going to go on and lead, you know, relatively normal life up to a certain point in the programme? Could he die before he, like, could he, could he make it to, to, to five, to ten, to, to twenty? Whatever happens, this is going to be something that they're not going to be able to get away from. Yeah, and, and you might think that, um, you might think that because it's in the mitochondria, it is a inherited through the mother to the mother's genes but that's not the case every time the mitochondrial disease can be caused by um a mutation in the mitochondria from the from the mitochondrial dna or in the nuclear dna when it um replicates and makes the mitochondria it can go wrong at, or it can be spontaneous where it just when when you're you know when your genes are when your genes get put together it replicates wrong and you end up Guys, this is a proper science lesson on energy. I feel well, like I'm in a Pantene advert. I feel advert. like I'm not really explaining it very well, and I'm probably definitely getting things wrong. No, I mean I'm but the teacher here, and I'm impressed. If you really are interested, you you need to um you need to look this up because don't just listen to a podcast about it. <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna be we're gonna be quoted in the references to some uh, biology you know degree dissertation now. You know. Yeah. Well, you, Steve, you heard Steve mention that there were different levels and um. That just refers to um, what part of the mitochondria isn't working. It's not nothing to do like level four is the best level or the worst level or anything. It's yeah. not severity. And because it is um, a chronic, it's progressive, it will just get worse mm. over time. You, you, uh, but then you can be stable for years and then just rapidly go downhill. Mm. You mentioned earlier about... Um, it people might think that it's passed down from the mother and you were looking into that weren't you because they made a big thing in coronation street this week of characters assuming that it came from steve's side of the family and you thought well maybe it'll transpire that it was actually from the battersby side or or i guess from from stella or or whatever that passed it down which could be an interesting twist not that not that it affects anything at the end of the day no i mean it's interesting to consider the fact that leanne and toya between them only have one child and um because I, I, I don't know if anyone remembers, but probably a couple of years ago, I said that it would be really interesting if Coronation Street did do a story about genetically inherited diseases. And there are some that you can get where um, you can carry the disease and have a 50% chance of passing it on to your child. And I always thought that would be a really interesting um, avenue to go down to consider when people are thinking of having children 
or um when a child has a disease and you can you can sort of pinpoint where it where origin where the origin was like the guilt that is um associated with mm. um having passed on a gene to your offspring that has you know could cause suffering and yeah but you, you say that about leanne and toya but we let's not forget that they're not actually blood related are they because no, lezzers I, I can never remember who's who's janice's toya's mum isn't she and it was janice and uh, ronnie someone or other clay clayton or whatever and then um yeah, leanne's dad is les and stella's the mum I, I think yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's, that's the right way that's around, right. isn't it? But the thing is, yeah, I, so I don't know whether Corey safe. remembers that. But yeah, <laughs> but but wouldn't it have been interesting if they had been related? And then Toya might have thought to herself, "Yeah, my gosh, if I was had a that baby. a blessing that I couldn't have a child? Or yeah. you know, can I take comfort in that? Or is that just you know, is, does that make it worse in mm. a way? I don't know. It'd be really interesting to see Toya's reaction through this because she's obviously had these struggles of not being able to have a baby and that's eaten away at her that trying to have a baby herself was her life and then she was um she was around was she was she there for when Leanne had a baby in the lift was it Toya in the lift with her I can't remember but she she although she hasn't been able to have a child herself she has at least had the next closest thing maybe and that she's got a niece with a very close sister so and she thinks that she's seen Leanne as having this real blessing later in her life as well. So remember, Simon's not Leanne's kid. So Leanne, Toya's sister, has finally got everything that Toya has always wanted during the time she was away from the programme. Mm-hmm. And and now she's going to lose it. So Leanne's going to be... Not, not, it's not going through the same as Toya, but it's, it'll be a shared grief and a shared tragedy. You mean Toya going through Leanne, what Leanne's going through? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, shared, shared grief um mm. yeah and so, so i wonder whether that's going to cut nick out even further because he he wants to be there Grie- grieving isn't the right word when when ollie's not dead but he wants no, to but be you can grieve he he wants to be yeah going going through it and 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 sharing it with leanne and being there to support leanne and i wonder whether leanne's gonna push nick out further not just with steve but also with toya and he's going to feel like he's, you know, third in the pecking order. Although although I suppose today's scene, I don't know whether it was just done then, sort of neatly to tie it up for one episode and, and that's it. He's going to be he's going to be involved in everything now, but well, that, that doesn't feel like it's going that way. The thing about Corrie is that there are so many complicated relationships and the actors are so good. And every story is so complicated that you could dwell on you could spend this whole story and just focus on Nick as the character that you follow and what he goes through experiencing this and and feeling, you know, awkward on the periphery and stuff. But that's not going to happen. You just have to sort of imagine what he's going through once it's been established. Well, I hope that there is some kind of story because when when Soaps, well, I I can't speak for other Soaps, Coronation Street has a story where somebody has... A disease, or somebody has a find they got a condition or something. Sometimes they think, oh, we we don't need to put a story. It's just the characters finds that they've got a, a, some medical condition and isn't this awful for them, and then you know it, it's over. But it it'd be interesting if it's more than just oh look at uh, Stephen uh, Leanne their kids got this degenerative condition. Isn't that awful for them? You know, you know what I'm yeah, saying? saying. Having having the Nick angle, and maybe he'll leave Leanne, or well, this um, is the thing. Like, what, very maybe often, Steve will get closer to Leanne, and 
very often traumas like this in in couples will lead to the couple breaking up mm. like it's like um i'm thinking more of when a child dies marriages don't often survive that no and it's a different dynamic with nick leanne and nick obviously they're not um obviously nick is not the parent and so he's removed again is that going to help the relationship or is that you know does that is does that different dynamic change mm. how easy it is to relate or will that distance Leanne even more from Nick and will she start to feel resentful perhaps of Nick and say like you know well it's all right for you because you're removed from this situation mm. you can't understand the pain that I feel. Say so what as long as they don't go down the route of Nick and Tracy ending up in bed together. Both feeling oh. like they'd be, or just feeling like they're on the periphery, and it, it, it feels like they could. To us. Let's go to bed together. Yeah. Um, no, I'm really interested in. There's been no indication of that so far. No, no, there hasn't been. Tracy's definitely been on the outskirts of it, but there's there's going to be something going on along the Barlow side, isn't there? Because Amy and and Liz, they've they've been quite underused, and I wonder whether you know we're going to see a little bit more of that side of things in in the weeks to come. Um, well. Um, I did think it was interesting about what they, what they were told about not not googling it. Yeah. Um, I don't know how often this gets told to patients these days. I do remember when, the, in the like the early days of the internet, reading up about various things that you could be diagnosed with and people finding out about stuff from information that was not meant for patient, um, patient uh, consumption. Like back in the early days of of, of the internet, people weren't savvy about who was going to read things and often just information just meant for doctors would end up on the internet and then patients would read it and become very very upset Mm. um and um but but i guess it you can't really tell people not to google stuff these days because they're going to anyway but it does depend on what you've got so so like when you know it, when you can say yeah you've got this disease and it causes this that and the other thing you probably would say look find find information about it um because it's clearly clearly studied and laid out and we know everything there is to know about this and and how to combat it or not but mitochondrial disease is so rare and so poorly understood and still being researched that there really is no useful reason to, for you to direct a patient to look this up. You simply cannot tell yeah, from Googling it what any, how relevant any of it is to you. No, but you're you not going to know that until you Google it, are you? So I, no, I'm, I know, glad, I'm glad that Steve did Google it because I, and it's, I suppose it is good for Coronation Street in this issue-based story to say, don't Google it if you think you got something, everybody. But no, it's, it's good that they made Steve do it saying... because that's what people wouldn't. Yeah. And Steve, like many people, would think, I'll be able to understand it. Yeah, yeah. But I, think I, that... I know, I, I can tell what's fake on the internet and what isn't. No, it's fine, it's not and then even you find that, yourself... Michael. It's not to do with whether it's fake or not. It's to or, do with whether yeah. the information is of any use to you. Like you said, the the analogy to it's the same as having cancer is is pretty good, really, because if somebody said you've got cancer, you could Google it and think you've got stage four pancreatic cancer yeah. and you're going to die, yeah, the next day or something. But but I think with with Steve as well because he thinks that this has got to have come from my side of the family and he's feeling guilty and I suppose well, he's looking at what 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 have I done? What, what have I caused? Is power and yeah, people don't like to feel 
I mean, and, and the opposite is true. Lack of information makes you feel powerless and they already feel powerless because they're sitting there and they can't do anything anything physically to help Ollie. The next thing that they can do is to arm themselves with knowledge. And um, yeah, I wish the doctor had said something like mitochondrial disease is a very broad term and we I want, don't want you to look it up until we know specifically what Oliver has because there's lots of information on there that is not going to be relevant to you Mm. i i I do wonder where the story is going to go next because i really think that he's going to die as well i'm afraid but do do you think we'll see that's happening soon i i it sounds really harsh but i hope he does doesn't hang around for too long because it's just too tragic to watch and, and painful and sad do you do we and it and it's too it's too realistic for me. Mm. I don't like it. I, no. Um, it, uh, like, like I didn't watch um, Sinead stuff, and I because I couldn't imagine how I would cope with watching a woman slowly turn from being like a happy, you know, go lucky, sweet girl into sort of a a kind of a, a husk of a, a woman waiting for mm. her body to give up on her so her brain can be set free. I just feel the same way about watching yeah. a little, little kid. And the, and and this is even worse because, like, Ollie's not going to know what's going on and, and, and Sinead at least knew what was coming so she could prepare herself for it in a way. Yeah, but, but and Ollie... it's the same situation as, like, it's too soon, it's too, it's not fair. Then yeah. you, you kind of imagine you're going to get a certain lot in life of, of years and, you know, even if you're being pessimistic, you kind of give yourself a bit more than, I'm not going to reach 10. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well... It's horrific. I'm, I'm looking forward to... Uh, I, I think it's definitely going to be an opportunity for all the main players to, to show what they can do in the old acting stakes. Simon um, Gregson is still... He's still doing all right, I think, this week. He is as well. Um, and, and Jane, obviously. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is... It's been so long since she's had a big story, and I think she might say that this is one of her most important stories. And I mean, the actors always say that when they're given the issues-based stories to do, aren't they? Because it's about making a difference. And, and it, I think Ian McLeod in an interview that I read earlier today was saying, oh, um, I wanted to raise awareness of this because a lot of people don't know about mitochondrial disease and and this might raise more funds for it. I think that was key because sometimes it's like, well, it's raising awareness of this. So what? Now I know about it. Okay. But the fact that maybe it will get more funding towards researching this condition that's that could be a positive that comes out of it and it'd be interesting as well if if they don't if they're not planning to you know kill off ollie in the immediate future may maybe in the years to come they will have some kind of treatment or cure or you know for it and well that's always they what might... the doctors tell you but you know i know i know but it'd be interesting and uh, to to if if it's if it's looking bleak and tragic now and real life circumstances change which mean that in the future ollie can you know stay alive and i think that would be quite uplifting but you can't you can't bank on that can you if you're a storyliner so uh yeah good good stuff all around like one of the most optimistic people in the world like i'm gonna write a story about mitochondrial disease in the show to raise funds so that my character doesn't have to die of something because they'll have found a cure because they raised all the money thanks to my story on coronation street oh you never know you never know the the hayley story helped bring about the gender recognition act that's all i'm saying 
<laughs> things have happened. Stranger things have happened. <laughs> well, wouldn't that be a lovely thought if that could happen? If they could it just would, find but, some magic um, cure that would stop this from happening. It's yeah. Too sad I, to think I'm, about. I'm 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 very interested to see how all the different characters react to this. I'm I'm a little worried about about Gail and because you know how she's been in the show recently and is is she going to not take it silly? And I mean David was he even in it this week? He's not been I don't I don't think he's been involved at all, but I mean he's got his own his own Probably. issues to deal with with Jonah and everything, but I'll be interested to see um how he how he takes it as well and whether he ends up being a shoulder to cry on for Nick because well, they have got just a as much as being supportive and helpful people are just as likely to try to ignore the problem and avoid the people that are suffering through it to protect themselves from their sad feelings and because they just don't know how to cope and how to react and you Mm. know that's just as much that happens to people that are sick Mm. they get almost almost shunned really by people because we're too worried about saying the wrong thing or doing the wrong thing or or we want to protect ourselves you know mm. and pretend it's not happening mm. right um well let's move on to the next uh, heavy storyline of the week don be racist uh, which um culminated in today's special episode which was originally supposed to be broadcast on 22nd of april which is stephen lawrence day and it was uh, written in collaboration with uh with stephen lawrence's mum baroness lawrence don't you know uh so it's quite quite a special one and i i I personally think it worked pretty well, but I'm, are I'm you sure... going to talk about who Stephen Lawrence is? It, he, it was it was a case where somebody was uh, a black man was murdered, and it's about police negligence and inherent racism with yeah. the police, isn't it? And uh, yeah, again, you can it brought it brought um, a horrible truth to light that many white people didn't realise was going on. Yes, and, and uh, this is this was similar a theme on Friday where it was revealed to some people perhaps that the the rosy racist racism free world that they thought they lived in mm. didn't exist. Doesn't, yeah, exactly, exactly. So um on Monday um This is this is me. No, to... you just did that, did I do Ollie Wobbles? Oh, yeah, yeah, you did, did the whole I? thing. Even though you said I was gonna do it. Oh, you do this then then. I will. That's what I was just about to do. Thank you. <laughs> um so on Monday, um James is all up about what happened that last fan. week about the fan being horrible to him. So this, this was the second half of that episode, wasn't it? So it was like, and Tim's like, today. just ignore them. And James is like, I'd never thought of it that way, Tim. <laughs> You're so wise. You're so wise being a white straight man who's <laughs> never experienced prejudice. Thank you, thank you. Um, Don, who is the manager of the bistro, who I hope is going to be fired by what's his name ray ray look what what horrible things has ray done um he touched michelle's leg yeah he's a pervert isn't he and he's a he's a ruthless businessman but is he a harbinger of racists we'll find out next Uh, week i assume i I hope don isn't in it next week i can't see why he would be kept on after what happened on friday Anyway, um, so so Don is the the manager in charge of the bistro, and he they're finishing off the redesign of the place for the opening at the end of the week. And Michael and Ed are involved as the builders to get everything up to scratch. And Don keeps coming to them with all these jobs that he thinks they haven't done properly. And Ed's like, 
well, just resign myself to get on, on, on with getting this done. But Michael's very frustrated and he wants a, a break. Um, and Don says, oh, Generation Snowflake, you're you're triggered and stuff. Um, and Michael drops off and then Don's, Don says to Ed, oh, you can't say anything without causing offence these days. And clearly establishing himself as a tone-deaf moron who just mm. echoes things he's seen people saying on Twitter. Mm. Um, Michael goes home and he starts banging on to Aggie about um, why Ed wouldn't stand up for himself and was just letting Don walk all over him. Then we have further trouble in the Bailey household when James says that his manager has threatened to transfer him to another team because of the... Uh, incident. Yeah, the incident, and it really isn't good. Like, apparently it's fine for fans to attack footballers, but if the footballers say anything back, then that's bad decorum and they mm. have to be transferred somewhere else. And Aggie says that talk to him and try and sort something out. But by dinner time, Michael's still wound up about this, and Ed says, sometimes it's just best to ignore these things. And Aggie says, yeah, you need to learn to ignore these people. Um, and and Michael doesn't want to accept this. And he's not happy. No, and they, they just they, have this really awkward yeah, meal dinner where in, they're all just silence. like, oh, I can't, there's no, it doesn't seem that we can agree on the best way to proceed. Mm. So on Wednesday, um, the Wednesday and Friday's episodes were the same day, but um, broadcast on two different days. Uh, so the Bistro opening due is that night and Aggie is like, look, we just want it to go to this thing and enjoy ourselves and relax and not make a fuss about anything. Eat, eat some nice spring rolls. Oh, we can't. Thanks, Gemma, for stealing them all. Oh, brilliant. That was a funny little moment, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> Faye brought over, at the DJ, Faye brought Gemma over the, the platter, platter to rolls. take one and she just took the whole thing and started tucking in. Mm-hmm. Uh, um so she Aggie wants Michael to bring Tiana along. So that's Michael's daughter with with Grace, who is he hasn't he doesn't see very much of. No, this, Grace is like a one, once a month or two appearance. She's like I thought when she I can't remember when it was she first came in. It was October, November or something, and and it felt like a story was just starting. But they're really really drip feeding. They're like we're they? not sure we're not sure about this character. Although it did turn a corner today. It did it did um, develop quite. Um, strongly um ed tell no james says he hasn't made the squad so he's not going to be playing and everyone's like oh this is really awkward and then ed's like james needs to toughen up and sort of and i i really liked the way that these themes of homophobia and racism met each other and made sense of each other and it didn't. And up until this mo- point, it felt a bit like they were just throwing everything at the Bailey family, and then and not linking them together. But clearly, this was part of the plan to to sort of confront the racism. They they had tried a little bit before to 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 reconcile these two things in in Ed and sort of make him realise that one they're both the same. Mm. Um, but it never really went anywhere until this Friday. And I really thought that they did a great job on linking them together. Yeah, I mean, I think Bailey's do was... need a bit of a break from the issues stories because no, that no, seems no. to be yeah, all I they're agree. getting. But I agree. It has. You're right. I think it. it I think it was apparent to everybody today. else except Ed how similar these problems were. Mm, it's just. And on both Friday, prejudice. he finally the penny dropped, and he finally got what James has been trying to tell him this whole time. Yeah. 
and it felt a bit like we had a the end of the of a chapter here and perhaps we're not going to pick this up again for maybe ever mm. but uh, it felt like we had a good conclusion yeah it doesn't need to carry on i mean yeah, well let, let's let's get yeah. to the end of it so um so uh, yeah james needs to toughen up says ed about being um attacked for being gay um michael is trying to trying to take this day off work so that he can get this toy rabbit for tiana and he tries to talk to Ed about easing off of James, but Ed's not really interested in t- discussing this. Ed is living his childhood through James. He wants James to achieve everything that he felt he couldn't when he was younger. Mm. And so when James fails, Ed feels it more personally, I think. Mm. Um, very tough. Um, Kirk <laughs> Kirk is very wise. There was, I think there was a lot of twee... It felt like children's TV platitudes about racism and and ignorance. I felt a bit patronised this it. week. Some, like, some why of it is Kirk? Well, so. It's like, people who say horrible things about James say more about themselves than they do about you. It's like, uh, thank you very much, but you're not the target of this and perhaps you would feel differently if somebody was saying this to you. Mm. Uh, Michael comes in and James is in at the bar drinking and he's like, this is not going to help you out. You giving it, you're throwing it all away now. And James really does feel like he's given up. He he feels like he's football. He's not going to be a footballer anymore. So he might as well get drunk mm. and forget all of his diets and his special regimens and all that stuff. So, on Friday, this was the this was the very special episode of Coronation Street, um, the the prejudice episode, and we had James. We had lots of montages of various dramas. Yeah, there was there was hospital drama and uh, and and Bailey drama. Yeah. It almost felt like the beginning of a Christmas episode, didn't it? Just slow, very cuts, festive racism. Uh, James looking at old photos of himself with the football, doing football stuff. Yeah, and all the sound effects were in the background, wasn't they? It was yeah. like the play- you know, I was like, oh, don't do that coronation strip. Um James tells Michael that he is going to quit being a footballer. He's sick of it, and Michael can't believe this. He rushes off to tell Ed about it in the bistro, and then Don comes over again. Um, <sighs> he said some racist things on Monday and, and last week that yeah. he, they've, they've had him drop these you know, he, like oh Lenny Henry just yeah, like yeah. anything to do with his stereotypes of what black people do or say or look like he'll just drop it into the conversation like it's a funny joke so he says when he sees Michael come in he calls him Fresh Prince and then he says, oh, you're going to go home and have a little drop of rum and your chicken and rice and peas. And um, Michael's just had enough at this point. He's stressed about everything. And then he's standing there watching him and his dad get insulted by this ignorant moron who hasn't even got any creative insults. They're all the worst kind of cliched rubbish I've ever heard. They, they are a bit. I, I felt that by today's ones, it they almost didn't need to have him say anything more. It was like I, I get it. He's saying these well, things, and it, it felt like the. It, it gets was... worse. It gets worse. Um, so, so Michael's like, hey, "Dad, how can you stand there and and watch this?" And there was a really weirdly badly cut bit where one oh, yeah. second Don's there saying, "Going for your rice and peas," and the next minute. Michael and Ed are having a conversation like he's not there, and then it becomes apparent that he has gone. He just but disappeared the only, in a puff of he smoke. He literally just disappeared, and the the only concession they made to letting us know this was a very faint 
foot footstep sound effect but i think that that was cut weirdly yeah. um so so they're now alone and michael has to go at ed for not reacting and ed's like i've been fighting my whole life actually and he he sort of pulls his t-shirt down and shows him look this is where i got attacked by a bunch of white kids with um with snooker cues this is what you know i broke my arm i broke this i broke that i have been standing up i've been fighting all my life and i really get like they didn't they didn't push it too far but you got the impression that he was sort of saying i fought my whole life i got to this stage now and he's just saying stupid things like which not is not going to hurt you. I've literally been physically attacked by people mm. because they're racist, and you're moaning about being I had a few stupid words thrown in your face. It felt a bit like he was saying it could be much worse, and and it has got better. And I'm I've given up the fight now. Yeah, you know? it's also you can try and fight, but it, it, you're never going to stop people. The, the underlying racism in certain people. Yeah, and it really is interesting too because. Michael was born into a world where he doesn't expect to be treated like that. But it felt to me like Ed was saying, at this moment in the show, I've accepted this level. Mm. I, this, is, this is where I'm going to stop my fight because this isn't as bad as it could be. And now he changes his mind during this episode, but that's what I felt was being said here. And I thought that his change of heart came from what michael said if you give up now you're just leaving the fight for someone else and he's he's saying that as a father of a of a young child mm. and he's thinking if i just let this happen is tiana going to be doing going to have to listen to this when she's grown up is yeah. she going to have a kid that's going to have the same problem or can we stand up for ourselves and and say it this isn't okay yeah, it's a never surrender, isn't it? Ray pays... Well, this is the thing. Like I said before, we had this conversation when James was talking about homophobia and who's, who's to say that it's your job to fight against it because you're the victim of it. And it's exhausting because it happens all the time every day. Yeah. And it's all very well saying, you know, you should fight against it everywhere you see it, but it is, it is exhausting. Mm. So... Then we get a scene where Ray's paying Ed for his work and inviting him to the opening. And, and we have a really... On second thoughts, I thought this was really good. But the first time I saw it, I thought it was a bit cheesy because we have Ed Ed sort of standing there morosely and then the, the camera pans and the lights change and he's suddenly in the party. Yeah, it's like a... Yeah. It's, it's like passage of time but he's he hasn't moved. With, yeah, without with yeah. Which without I the guess is cutting. kind of um It was quite it was quite clever. It's but... like symbolic of the fact that his mind has been frozen on that moment mm. that he had in that room where he was belittled in front of his own son by a man and decided not to stand up for himself and he's been dwelling on that the whole time. Yeah. And he's like I think frozen you're absolutely right. frozen in time and then he we pick up with him at the party and you can tell, I think, that it's been playing on his mind. And he says, Aggie comes over and she knows about the aggro that's been going on with, with Don and she wants to know who he is. And he says, don't, don't worry about her. We're just here for a good time. Then we cut to Don, who's got this equally moronic friend and he sees that Michael's brought his kid and he's like, oh, we're the whole tribe are here now. And um, honest, obviously the connotations there are 
multitudes of of connotations, you know, about Mm. people having big families, about... Well, I didn't need to explain it, do I? Michael doesn't want to stand there and listen to this and he wants to leave. And didn't he say something else? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. This is this is uh, this is where um, Don says oh, he's making he's making fun of them and saying, oh, if you uh, if you pay peanuts, you're going to attract monkeys. And that's, monkeys. that's that's the line that that's the line that really Ed. he's sick and tired of it. He's had enough. He confronts him and he says, say it again. Say it again. And, and everyone suddenly stops. And Ray comes over and he's trying to um, trying to sort of cover the cracks. I don't know how Ray has not seen this happening. I don't know if Ray's one of these guys that just lets things like that slide or sort of says, oh, but, you know, lads will be lads. Or, uh, you know, if it's not my problem, I'm going to ignore it. Or whether he gen- genuinely hasn't seen... Um, hasn't seen Don I mean, be racist. Don's been being so Over. evidently. I really think that Don is the kind of guy it. that would joke with anyone who was white about black people. It wouldn't, as yeah, it, exactly. Is as I would be shocked is. if he hadn't joked with Ray about it. As and Ray's well. the kind of guy who would be like, "Look, whatever, whatever." He'd mm. Probably laugh about it and say, "Just don't say it in front of anybody who's going to take offence to it." Yeah, you know, it's all good banter. So anyway, he's trying to diffuse it, and um, Don's protesting saying that he's not racist he just happens to be a person who says racist things from time to time mm. um and then ed, ed says a very he launches into this magnificent off-the-cuff monologue where he talks about all the racist abuse that he's had to suffer from his life through his life and uh, and, and everybody just, is just silent and these, lets him yeah he just lists all these things that he's had to put up with and and, and it, it all kind of a lot of it seems like petty little things and people just making a joke and he's like, well, I'm sick of it. People have been, have asked me this, that and the other. They've made fun of the way I look. They've made fun of my voice. They've asked, um, uh, and, and I've just had enough and it, it makes you think, doesn't it? And that he he's had to put up with just these little things all your life that, that people, sometimes people, yeah, might have been racist saying these things. Some of the people... Well, you know, look, they're just, this is they're the just thing. teasing. This or, is what, I, yeah, yeah, but this is the thing that you have to consider that perhaps you might not if you're you've never had to worry about it. But I said this before on the show about having to work, having to think to yourself: Do I give them the benefit of the doubt? Is this just them being a rude bastard, or are they actually being racist? Like what he was saying about putting the putting the um, change down on the counter instead of oh, hand yeah, putting it in their hand. It like, if somebody did that to me, I'd be like, that's rude. But he has to think to himself, are they racist or are they just rude and ignorant? Mm. They don't... You don't know. And that mental um, toil adds to the burden of, of you know... It, and you, you don't know because it's not like it was in the old days where you get beaten with a pool cue and that's how you knew people were being racist it's all these subtle little insidious ways that Mm. people are racist and he has had his fill of it he um don tries to say i'm i'm sorry and um he just kind of whispers it because he's he's stayed silent throughout all of this and you you were commenting that it didn't quite work we'll talk about that at the end don's been kind of caught off guard with this and he's and he knows that everyone's looking at him and he thinks he's been able to get away with it and I think at this moment he's realised that you know everyone's against him at the moment well, he's been so all hiding he can behind do is kind of whisper I'm sorry this thing that you know plausible deniability is he 
is he just teasing or is he being racist? Well, he's being racist, isn't he? So, so um, uh, Ed says, is he sorry for saying it, for thinking it or for being it? And then he says, shove your apology. It's as pathetic as you are. And then they all sort of sweep out um, and go back. So Michael goes back to the house, number three, and then everybody else goes to the Rovers. So at number three, Michael tells Grace about Ed and he kind of makes this impassioned speech to Tiana about standing up. Yeah, and, basically. And, you know... Yeah, don't, don't you let people say these things to you. You yeah. need to stand up and fight. And, and, uh... and Grace is overcome with um, moisture. <laughs> feelings, she's so, uh, she's dormant so feelings about Michael. That, she's so inspired by his... That's the manner had a baby with. And she gives him, gives him a big old smackaroonie, but then they both look pretty surprised. So I don't know where that's going to go. I think Grace was I'm sure we'll find out in about four months' time yeah. when we next see Grace on the show. I don't know what... Well, we're we going to talk about whether we want them to get back together in a minute. Oh, yeah. Um, so that's an interesting development. Then back at the Rovers, Aggie is telling him that he did the right thing. He's not so sure that it wasn't a bad idea. And then Dev comes over and he starts telling him about his experiences, basically in solidarity of saying, yeah, you know, you're not crazy. This is happening. Because I guess, I guess people like, um, <clears throat> like Don are gaslighting you know oh no i wasn't being racist you're just interpreting it wrong and you like but they both know exactly what's going on oh it must be so infuriating so so he just sort of talks about his his experiences but then he kind of leaves them alone um yeah they they he gives the whole thing about oh people have always told me to go back where i come from where where do you mean birmingham yeah <laughs> um James is at the bar by himself and he says to Emma, like, you know, oh, the, the people being racist, you know what that's like? And Emma's like, no, I I don't really, I don't really know. But I do get, I do think it's a bit weird when people touch my hair without asking me first. Well, I said to her, I, I, I said, well, Emma, you do that. You do that to other people. You, you, you've groped both Seb's and Ken's hair in the past year, I remember. but Yeah, well, you know that it's different when white people want to touch black people's hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I can't, it's interesting that Emma had that reaction yeah, because she because say. she's such a naive character and maybe she has, you know, experienced it but not noticed. Yeah, it, I mean, it can be subtle, like you, like we said, and but it could just be that she's been very fortunate. And I think that um, there was an interview with uh, Trevor, Trevor Mike, Michael George, George um, about this and he said it was a really it it was good to show a spectrum of reactions and experiences and like you can't treat all black people the same and act as though there's a universal black experience because there isn't and different people will have different experiences even based on how they present and the color of their skin and perhaps um people don't clock emma as as black sometimes because you know i don't know like I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, that was the interview on um on the Corrie Good News, wasn't it, that we watched? And there was also an interview on the Corrie blog as well, Corrie Street. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Blog um ab- still, about still waiting for our mention on Corrie Good News, Colson just said. <laughs> so <laughs> we're not going to get a mention. Um, <laughs> Everyone else got a mention. We're too critical. Um. So yeah. So she. Yeah. So like I said, it's really good that they talk about it, and then they're. they're not trying to speak on behalf of everybody 
but to acknowledge that even different different classes of people in mm. different areas you live in and who you hang around with is going to change how you experience life which which should seem obvious but um it's good that coronation street made it or made it clear there yeah. so um aggie tries to get james to make amends with ed but he doesn't want to talk to him then we have this i found this infuriating conversation between dev and kevin and abby is there as well i think yeah, yeah. i can't remember who else or no, it was i just think those it was three. just those three yeah. oh it's it was it was a, i thought it was a bit juvenile Ke- kevin is um been cast in the role of the the, the caveman the the white guy that thinks i'll oh, rate that we don't have racism anymore it's like, and I, I don't even need to think about it it's not saying that kevin is is racist but no, he's just kind it, of I just completely oblivious very, to the fact that it's it's still going on. I thought it was a bit juvenile. I can't believe that Kevin has never seen people be racist. And he was kind of making excuses about, oh, you know, you, you people who are racist get told off, so it's okay. I know I think I think that fitted Kevin's personality. Well, I know, but I just I just found it I just found it a bit offensive. Because be Kevin isn't very woke as as Dev put it no and I, I just i just thought it felt a bit like we're supposed to be happy that kevin learned something but i just that thought well you should bloody open your eyes you know i'm not gonna celebrate you learning something like that but by the time they got to the kev part in this it did feel like we were being lectured a little bit too i really much. think that's probably what i had the problem with i felt it was just overkill yeah, it's like, okay, we've had it with Dev, we've had Emma talking about it now, and we've had all the babies, obviously, and now Kevin is... Yeah, it, it felt... It was just felt like I was I would say on being the, taught... On the whole, I thought the exists. episode really, really worked for me. I thought it was a very powerful episode. and But, yeah, there were just a few points where I, I was thinking, I, I, I get it. Don't know if we need this. Honey. But it is... I, I, in, in the, in, to consider it as a real conversation... I can certainly imagine that this it would have struck Kevin as as shocking and and odd that this goes on and I've got friends who don't really don't realize that how you know racism still exists it's it's crazy um one thing I didn't like though is when Kevin started saying oh where does it come from but babies aren't born racist and I thought that was a really really disingenuous thing to say because if you look it up, actually, racism and prejudice is inherent in almost every single person. And I think it's so dangerous to deny that we have inherent biases. Because if you think that babies are born innocent and pure, and you you forget that human beings have have thought processes and and ways that we behave in groups that enable racism and make it what it is, like it's a, it's, I'm not saying it's n- like natural isn't a good thing. Like like being aggressive is a natural human thing. We need to understand our human nature and fight against it and overcome it by acknowledging it exists. Not pretending that we don't have these things. If you look it up, if you if you even just Google our baby's racist, you'll see that um, at a very early age, people show biases towards different groups depending on how what groups they were raised in. Mm. And if, also, if you do there are like various um, quizzes you can do, like inherent bias tests, and you will probably find out some shocking things about yourself. But I think that it's really important to not 
not make out that it's a problem that other people have but to question yourself all the time because you have to be vigilant about your own prejudices and not make out that it's some kind of evil thing that only other people do mm. and it's not just it's not just somebody in in a in a bar saying stupid rubbish it's everything that Ed has spoken about in his life that has mm. happened to him and also his worries for Michael and and James and Tiana as well mm. I wonder whether um whether whether Kev would have talked about this kind of thing when um uh play school uh Freddie Smith was working with him in the garage because he was there working with Kev for like a year or so and you wonder whether that would have come up in conversation at all because I imagine that he would have certainly had had some racist experiences in his past I know for Kevin to say no but this is the other thing as well I think Kevin was kind of right in what he said when he said you I think he said something about you don't know what to say or you're worried about saying the wrong thing. And then and then Dev kind of interrupts him and says, look, you, you've got to talk about it. And I think that's really important. Um, I don't know that it would have been a comfortable conversation for Kev and Freddie to have had a discussion about Freddie's experience with racism through his life. It's not yeah. something that comes up naturally. No, maybe not. And, and Kevin seems to have had his head in the clouds. He probably wouldn't have even noticed if anybody had been racist towards Freddie if it was subtle enough. Mm. Um so yeah uh, and it was kind of like dev was kind of giving kevin permission to to kind of like say the wrong thing perhaps in trying to find out more about it but i think that's the other thing that white people are very generally very uncomfortable about talking about racism and finding out yeah, about they it. Also think is it am i going to come across as being racist if or i ignorant. say that i want to know about racism but equally it's not black people's job to educate white people about racism no, no. So, you know, it's Kevin's kind of right to be cautious because you can't just ask anybody and expect them to, to spend the emotional time and labour explaining their experiences. Mm. It's a, it is, it, what Dev said, it's, it's, good, it's important to talk about it and it is really important to talk about it. But um, and, and so this is a really good episode from that perspective because there's lots to unpack here. And... Um, it feels it feels to me a bit like the air has been cleared a little bit, you know, like, yeah, and, and maybe because we all know that the Baileys um, have been issues based storylines. Like most of their stuff has been based around homophobia or racism, mm. and it's very important to acknowledge that they are the family that would have experienced this in a unique way that hasn't been explored on Coronation Street before. You can't pass up this opportunity to explore that. But equally, it probably feels as though, oh, yeah, the black family and the, all they get, the stories about racism. And it, 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 it probably feels very frustrating because black characters have a lot more to offer in a TV show than just stories about racism and how they experience prejudice. Well, I almost kind of hope that this gets that out the way and maybe let's see what else. Yeah, they, that's what I meant what when I said now? to clear the air. Like, yeah, it feels like it feels like um like oh, Coronation Street knows it's not going to, to solve racism, but it has probably educated some people like Kevin who who perhaps blissfully unaware because really I mean I was really harsh towards Kevin but how would he know if he's not a racist and he doesn't hang around with racists and he might not realize all those microaggressions that that um, the Bailey family have have been putting up with for their entire life he wouldn't notice necessarily mm. um, and it's not his fault 
but it's good that Coronation Street's brought it brought it to life. Mm. To light, I mean. Um, Dev tells him there's no excuse for not being woke, and that really made me wince. <laughs> I hate that word. I hate that word as well. Really Who was it? Me. Was it Abby that says, did Asher teach you that word? I, I did quite like Dev's look when he like proudly goes, yeah. <laughs> I kind of want Dev to go around, um, like we have the speak and save, I kind of want um, Dev to make a bunch of posters to go up in the shop, like, be woke, not broke. <laughs> <laughs> it uh, it would have been interesting maybe to have had Asher as part of the story, particularly after the skin lightening, because that was obviously a, a, a story about... Oh, it's about her, the colour of her skin, literally. Yeah, so I wonder whether that gets That's, that is it really in interesting that, that Dev didn't even mention that. Mm. Yeah. Because that, that was like the Yeah, of course racism is still apparent. It's made my daughter almost, you know, poison herself yeah. with these skin whitening creams last year. And you're telling me that everything's okay now, Kev, just because in your little world it is. Oh, yeah, I mean, Kev, um, Dev was kind of being very, very, uh, what's the word I'm trying to think of? Not, well, nice, I can't think of a better word. Um, patient with Kevin, yeah. when Kevin's sitting there going, well, you know, I guess people shout horrible things at football matches, and it's mostly racist European countries that, that that comes from. And I can't believe Deb didn't rip his hair out and say, my daughter nearly killed herself because she doesn't like the colour of her skin because of the race that she was born as and you don't think it's a problem. I thought that when he called, he describes things as a country as being a racist European country, that that felt a bit off to me. I don't know whether... No, but I think that's... No, I think that's right. I think that's how what people think. Like, there are countries in Europe where they are very like they have progressive values and and the the fans are a bit more racist and i but i but i think that it's a very handy thing for football like football fans in this country to hide behind like we're not as bad as them i think that's a common thing i think that's a thing that a lot of football fans think like mm. yeah there's a problem with racism in football um fandom but it's mostly those people over there that are doing it and it's not us and and we're not as bad as they are yeah because but it's the people you... i don't have a problem with him referencing that but the fact that he called the, the country racist and then Abby and Tyrone were like saying, "Oh, Kev, that's racist to say that." It just it, it didn't feel that felt a like bit a stupid because it's not racist; it's xenophobic. Mm. Anyway, anyway, <laughs> let's carry on. Um, so Aggie tells Aggie tells Ed that she is proud of him for standing up against Don, and then we have this really. I I thought this was a really. The, these scenes were really powerful and I really, really Oh yeah, Lorna did a great this. job. She oh. was fantastic. Um, she teary. said, I wish you could be, I wish I could be proud of you for the way you stand up for your son. Oh, that was amazing because she was, again, trying to get it through to Ed and it's taken all this time for Ed to realise that it, this is a parallel situation. Yeah. And... And I, I think, yeah, it could have been a bit too... It could have felt like they were beating you over the head with it, but it, it felt like it worked fairly naturally. I thought this was brilliant. I, I know I've complained before about about kind of running this story along a bit too much and everything, but it really did feel as though I did need this time mm. to work this out. And Aggie begging him, oh, it was so emotional and really well done. I'm hoping that this is some kind of turning point This is what I Baileys. want it to be, yeah. I know. I think because that they've, they've had a rough the first year. It's been a whole year that they've been in the programme and, and they 
bless them, they haven't made as big an impact as I think Ian McLeod had hoped that they would have had. And and there was enough great material this week, a lot enough powerful performances yeah, from Trevor really... and, 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 and uh, Lorna and, and co that pe- this might make people think, okay, I'm going to invest in the Baileys now. A little bit like when the McDonald's came into the programme in the late 80s. Apparently not a lot of people liked them then. And it wasn't until a couple of years later when Liz had her miscarriage with baby Katie that the audience started to warm to the McDonald's. And I wonder whether this is going to be yeah similar to that. Yeah. Um, I thought it was powerful and well-directed and performed and written and I really yes, like Ian Kershaw tonight's episode. Yeah. Um, script, script writer. Other bits I didn't like as much, but this bit made up for for everything that I that I had a problem with. And um, like I said, I just felt like the whole thing just kind of brought, came into a neat conclusion that really felt satisfying, emotional. Felt like it was we were watching actual character development for yes. the Baileys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I got to see as well. What people, I remember when um, when Lorna Ledlow got uh, hired on Coronation Street, and people were like, oh, Mrs. Tembay and Doctor, she's she's actually she's a really great character, and she's a fantastic actress. And up until this point, I've been like, yeah, Aggie's all right, she's fine, but I don't feel like she'd been given quite that right scene for her to show what she can do. And I think this was that it, little booth think. scene, that was it. Yeah, I really like this. And then we get another really powerful scene with Ed and James outside in the smoking shelter. He is finally ready to listen and understand what to what James's experience has been. Um, and he says, you can't go on pretending to be someone you're not. And I think there was a lot of stuff that you, James said that you haven't written down no, and I've forgotten what it was. But he, he was basically like saying, I don't know if I'm ready to be that. I, I can't, don't know if I can be myself. And that, that is just the most, because this is the thing, this is the difference, isn't it? Because Ed and James and the Baileys have no choice but to be black and have everybody see immediately mm. and treat them accordingly, however they feel they should be treated but James has to own being gay and admit and come out and 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 say that's part of who I am uh, and he has he doesn't know if he's ready to do that I can't remember where they left it with James because I has he, he he has he properly come out or did he did he hide it because he had that meeting a few months ago with his manager and the publicity guy I from, think it's an open from secret County. yeah it, because they talked about a lot all the abuse that James had been getting yeah. on, uh, on social media. I think everybody knows that, that he's gay, that, but not officially has yeah, it come I mean, out. The, 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 this fan a week ago that came up to him He's was, clearly seen stuff yeah. on, online. But yeah, I thought that was really good. Like, James is like, I, I, I've got this... I've got already got this identity that people want to attack me for. I don't think I've got the strength to take on another one. And, and Edge saying, you've got to take as long as you need to. I, I haven't accepted you before, but I am proud of you. Yeah, that was a really lovely moment oh. with the hug at the end. He says, you walk tall, though. Oh, no, I love that. That was that, amazing. That. And that's what James and Ed really needed this whole time. And it, and it makes sense that it wasn't an immediate acceptance. Like, again, th- this is the thing. James knows, th- and, and it's because we've learned about how he's suffered because of racism. He knows that James has now got two burdens to carry where 
and he didn't want it to be real and true and and he kind of was hoping that he could avoid the pain of having those two things but now i think he's realizing that you can he he thinks that james has got the strength to to carry it Mm. And um, he's going to support him. Yeah, it'll be good to see Ed fighting for James. I mean, he he's he said this now, but when it comes to the latter day, will he actually be able to do it? Maybe, maybe not. I, I, I assume so. so. Um, but it's whether because James has now said he wants to quit football, and to be honest, that could be an easy way out for this story because when the the, the homophobia and football story first reared its head back in September time, we were saying, well, there's been so few footballers professional footballers who have come out would it feel weird for coronation street to have one would would this not be kind of national news almost how they're going to get around this and maybe their way around it is to have james quit being a footballer oh i don't want him to i just i I wish that we could i wish that we could create a weatherfield world where everybody just stopped being racist (laughs) and uh, yeah and homophobic but it's it's not going to happen, and it's just so sad because it just you know, to know that they, like I said, there's a burden to carry, and you don't choose it. Mm. I mean, and it's really I feel really self conscious as well talking about this. We're both white; we haven't experienced this. And if I've said anything ignorant, I would hope that you guys forgive me because I'm doing the best I can to try <laughs> to um navigate is very difficult topic mm. and represent a group of people that i have no business representing yeah but but i think that the show the episodes spoke, spoke for themselves and we know that baroness lawrence as you mentioned before the mother of stephen lawrence who was murdered was a script consultant um and it was supposed to be shown like you said on april the 22nd and we also know that um all the actors who played the bailey family workshop this together so their input kind of like i said it's the the episode speaks for itself it does and it certainly felt different and i and i i'm assuming that an awful lot of the people who watched the episode or kind of weren't prepared for it and hadn't read about the, the context the special... would have made more sense if it had actually been broadcast on the day that it was scheduled to be yeah and absolutely. i know that there are uh, definitely going to be criticisms from people who found it a bit probably find it a bit heavy-handed um, but equally, I'm sure people would have been very affected by it. There, there were times when it was a bit heavy-handed. I, yeah. I definitely think there was. But on the whole, I was very impressed, and I thought that all of the all the main players, all the all the actors, did do a good job. And and I really did like Ed's speech, and and it and it it did feel a bit like. Uh, I suppose you you said at the time, would people just you know give him the floor for that long? Um, yeah, that's the only I thing I was going to say. As a drama, yeah. characters do that. It was yeah, I know in that, a stage and it's play. not because yeah, it, it's not it's not necessary. It's not the subject matter at all that I had the issue with. It was this trope that soaps and TV shows have, where they have a horrible bully who is vile and repulsive and like a caricature of the most evil things you could be and then and a character who's being slighted and the victim and and the bullied and then they get this uninterrupted glorious moment in the spotlight to just tell the person who has been so cruel to them exactly how they're wrong and what a terrible person they are and the person who has just has to stand there and take it and then slink off with their tail between their legs without protesting or objecting in any way or interrupting them 
I just find it so fantastical that I can't take it seriously because everybody is like, it is like the ultimate fantasy where you have an argument with somebody and then you play it back in your mind and you just imagine that that's how, what you were like going, you, and you, mm. everything you say is pitch perfect and makes total sense. You don't stutter once or repeat yourself and you're clear about everything. And the person that you're having a go at just, just kind of disappears in a puff of smoke. Mm-hmm. And I just, when it's, when it happens on a show, I just, I don't ever buy it because that's not how it happens. Well, don't forget, Ed had been standing in that bistro just stuck, stuck still for like a good eight hours preparing. Waiting, that he was running it all over it. Yeah, that's fair enough. I thought it was good. I just, I just love the the character development that it allowed Ed to have this week. What is it called when you? It's called the in French. It's called the wit of the staircase. What's that? I don't know. Something escalier. The something. I don't know. It's a phrase in French which basically means something that you think of after you've had an argument. Yeah. No, I, I thought like it was okay. Like the staircase okay. is I, like when you walk down the stairs after you've just had oh, a confrontation yeah, yeah, with somebody. It. Yeah, no, I, I thought it was okay. And, and I, I think that... I think that Don just um, had never been called out on it before, so he didn't he didn't have a kind of comeback prepared. Like, he's been used to and, and to, to hanging around with the people that laugh along with him, and, and maybe he's the sort of person that... People are you talking about Don? Don, the sort of people that people are scared to stand up to. I mean, so maybe he's, he's not the used kind of guy that, that thinks that he's an equal... You know, like, these people who go, oh, I, I, I'm an equal opportunity offender. Like, I'm not racist, I, I hate everybody. And he's probably vile to everybody. And, but, or is he just racist? You don't know. And this is the thing that the Baileys have dealt with their whole lives. Like, is it, you know... Is it acceptable to to criticize somebody for being lanky? Yeah, yeah you know what I mean. Quite... Like if if he if Don if Don is rude about other people's other physical attributes, um, that does that give him a free pass? No, obviously it doesn't. But in Don's mind, it does. Mm. Perhaps I, we don't know. I don't think Don's ever going to get fleshed out for us to to find out no. what he, his true feelings are. But. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see whether Ray keeps him on. I think it'll say a lot about Ray's character. Yeah. But that, that whole storyline has really kind of gone off a cliff these past few months, hasn't it? Because Ray's obviously, Ray has still got a master plan for taking over the street. Yeah, yeah. well, we had all and, these grand theories and conspiracies and And, and is it going to keep Don on as his, his little sidekick and evil? Well, in I think evil. Ray wants to win the street denizens over and, and he would, yeah. it would be such an easy win for him to just fire Don mm. and, and sort of ingratiate himself in people's hearts by being the guy that, that got rid of the nasty racist. Yeah. But actually, Ray's probably cultivated the... The culture at work that has allowed Don to feel so bold with his That's disgusting opinions. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Ray's probably the thought that has been uh, talking like in the back. It's just a bit of a laugh. Can you imagine yeah, what they say? Yeah, making comments about women. I was going to say, can you imagine Speak, what they say talk, about women? Yeah, talking about Faye listening. or whoever. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, Don probably feels very comfortable. Not that Don's been there for very long, I no. suppose. Um, but <laughs> maybe, maybe Ray will be... Good old disposable racist. Yeah. So maybe they they are going to be onto their third bistro manager in yeah. as many months soon. And I mean, it's interesting to think about the last time they tried to do a racism storyline and it fell on its on its. Oh, bum. this this is no play the white man. No, I know, but um, we we 
we spoke about it because we uploaded a character profile of Lloyd, but it was on a YouTube channel, so maybe people haven't heard us talking about that again recently. But the the play, the white man story, was a story in which that you had Lloyd, who um, was the black character, and Paul, who's the the white firefighter guy, who's kind of it seemed like a wholesome and you know cool yeah. guy, and um, then they were playing darts, and something happened, and he. Paul said, "Don't play the white man," which was no. He said, "Do play the do, white man." Play the white man. I still don't understand. It just that means phrase. be fair, mate. Yeah, so so kind of like likening fair play with being white, yeah. therefore saying that, and he, and he didn't realise that Lloyd might take offence to that because he didn't see race, which is like one of the most racist things to say. But um, that is interesting because they used an existing character that had already built up a bit of sympathy and and background on the show Paul to say the racist thing and this is contrasting with Don who we don't care about and we just think is an awful person and there really is no subtlety or kind of like nuance as to whether he meant to be racist or not it doesn't matter it's completely irrelevant it's all about the Baileys and in that way it's centering their experience as black people in a way that the Lloyd storyline didn't, and perhaps that was the problem mm. with why mm. the Lloyd storyline just... I mean, the racist storyline just kind of went nowhere before because they weren't centering Lloyd's experience well, enough. The, the biggest problem with that was just the, the, the term that was used, the play the white man, which was... Well, I mean, to be fair, Don, Don wasn't exactly full of zingers, was he? That's true. <laughs> Fresh Prince. Lenny true. Henry. I mean, it's, it was lazy. The, 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 I think you said in the YouTube thing they were trying to avoid being racist by saying a term that actually people don't actually use anymore and then it just came across as being a little bit antiquated what yeah, you were saying. Yeah, trying to and... do something about that's offensive without offending people yeah. and um, there's, there's shades of that here as well Yeah, but it wasn't about that it was about, like I said, microaggressions and con- constantly being on your guard and never knowing when the next insult's going to come and who is it going to come from Mm. somebody that i trust and and you know yeah um just quickly before we move on then the the grace angle oh yeah they're gonna get together i mean i don't i don't really care because i really haven't warmed to grace at all and she doesn't seem to be presented in the way that i'm supposed to be warming to her she seems a bit of a stuck-up cow doesn't she but we just have had we've seen so little of her i don't know Mm. I I don't care one way or another really, but I'm glad that just something happened at least. So you know, maybe I still wonder whether she's going to end up getting killed though. And Why? Michael's, well, just because of having Michael being landed with Tiana. Oh, okay. Seems like a bit of a soapy thing to do, but I mean, so she she's on a she could be um, uh, on her last leg. Same with Arthur. I think I'm wondering whether anything's going to happen with him now well, because of everything going so nicely. Uh, I think I know what's going to happen with Arthur and Grace. Do you? Yeah. No, you don't. I do because we we know that Arthur's a serial killer, and oh, you just said that Grace go. is going to die. Seems to me pretty Two obvious. Two birds and one stone. Fine, fine, <laughs> fine. Right, so um, that's that's almost it for this week's Street Talk, but we have had um, a few other little stories that are, that are worth mentioning as well. For example, the Winter Blues this week. Um, Gemma, we last saw her at the um, postnatal depression group where um, she listens to one of these other women opening up about the experiences that, that 
she'd had and Gemma was like oh I'm not the only person that's got this so now she's got the floor on Monday's episode and uh, she talks to the group about how hard it is and how uh, her life turned out so much differently to how she had imagined she she always dreamed of being a Spice Girl I don't know how that little route took her down being a gangster's mole in, a, in the dodgiest states of Weatherfield. She's trying to be scary, but, Spice. Oh, of course, of course. Yeah, which which Spice Girl did Gemma... We, I, yeah, I put on a poll on Twitter the other day, I think, um, of which Spice Girl did Gemma dream that she was being, and I think Scary Spice did win that one. A <laughs> couple of votes for Posh. They had, did, did Gemma want to be Posh Spice? Maybe that's probably why she felt like her dreams were unachievable, so she decided to go completely the opposite maybe, route. Maybe, Um Anyway, Gemma goes back home and she and she has a nice little scene with Chesney, Um Chesney says, no, Gemma says, I I didn't realise that depression could come in many shapes and forms. My nan had depression, but she couldn't even get out of bed half the time. But anyway, she's feeling better now. Um, So it it almost felt at the end of Monday's episode that she's been cured of her postnatal depression just by being able to talk about it. But... Wednesday's, oppo- Wednesday's episode gives her one more chance to really get that postnatal depression out of her system, system um, which is um, basically... Well, she's just talking to Bernie she, about it. Yeah, she's talk- she talks to Bernie about it and, and, and she's feeling positive in the morning. And when Kathy talks to her about it later and then Sean comes into the uh, kebab shop and, and Kathy says, oh, let's change the subject. But Gemma's like, I don't care who knows about my depression. So, um, well, she says she wants everyone to know. Yes, which Sean um, helps her with by suggesting that she does a vlog about it. And he's wearing that helped, oil. That helped me when I was having my issues-based story. Do you remember, do you remember that, everybody? Do you I remember, remember I was homeless a for a couple of weeks? It. No, I don't remember that either. Did he? I, I, I honestly, I don't know. I don't know. Um, anyway, so... Gemma thinks this is a, a, a spiffy idea, so you know with, it doesn't have to give it a second thought. The very next scene, they're up there with the with the camera and they're filming, um, uh, ad libbing this incredibly eloquent um, monologue. This was the week of the monologues, wasn't it? Was it? it was it was Ed and Gemma just off the cuff saying these magnificent speeches. This one being about how rubbish frescoes are and about how the dream world that is suggested in the adverts. I mean, the, the advert literally is just them against the yeah, green again, background. I feel as though Freshgoes has been falsely accused of, of doing a, a, an actually good advertising campaign. They never once made Gemma and Chesney's life look idyllic and like the kind of thing that you would want to buy into. Well, they, the closest that they had was that... Um, they had the video, didn't they? Remember when they went to the... The video screening, which is when Chesney sort yeah, of said enough is enough, but that was just badly done, wasn't it? Because it was awful. It's all the whole thing's awful. So, mm. so I, I found this re- reductive and insulting. Anyway, Gemma says Freshgoes tried to make out that we live in a dream world, but actually we don't. Yeah, it's fantasy. Yeah. As though anybody watching anything on their phone via YouTube or whatever wouldn't have been introduced already to the concept that advertising perhaps sells you a false idea of the results of the buying the product. No, I know. Like if they not watch The Apprentice, that's that's the whole idea. When it's the advert task, you need to show the consumers lives being better at the end because of it, but we all know it's not really real. I think the problem was that she just kind of seemed to stop after saying this isn't reality. And 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 you don't need to feel bad if you don't if this is not what you 
what your real life is like. Mm. Like, we know this. Yeah, and and it, the other problem is that Gemma isn't depressed because of some kind of dichotomy between what her imagined life as a fresh goes mum was and her reality. Because we know that that was fake all the time for her. She always knew that was a, that mm. was that was rubbish. Her, she didn't really ever have any big ambitions about raising a child. She just wanted to be able to do it, and she can't. Mm. It, she wasn't lulled into a false sense of security or think that she would be swanning around wearing non like hand washed silk blouses while nursing four <laughs> children. Yeah, it, it felt. And, and it, you don't get postnatal depression from from aspiring to be the lady in the Ole adverts. It's a it's a mental, it's a it's an imbalance in the chemicals in your brain. Yeah, whereas it's not this story, by and I, I may be wrong, but this story, these scenes this week seemed to suggest that everything's okay now. I and, hope and doing there's... a vlog doesn't quite. For one thing, I, I, I think it was quite. Um, I, I, I don't know whether anyone would really be would ever, ever care. Coronation Street's got a thing that when anyone does something for social media, everybody, everybody finds out it. about it. When in real life, you can put no out the care. most brilliant tweet and nobody likes it yeah. at all. <laughs> I, but I think... And it doesn't get picked up I on by the, Corrie Good News, Colson Smith. I think, saying. <laughs> I think the fact that she was the fresh ghost face of, you know, and, and, and then she's standing up against it um, would naturally bring some media attention. But... Um, again, she seems to be scapegoating Freshgoes as the kind of architect of her destruction when actually they had nothing to do with it and they just wanted to give her money to be in a picture. And she doesn't seem to... And Coronation Street still seems to be wanting to make a villain out of Freshgoes for wanting to sell more pasta. Mm. Like, as though as though they've done something wrong. They haven't. Mm. Well, I, well, one of the things I didn't like about it as well was that... I, I liked Gemma's positivity at the beginning of the week and she was feeling like she turned a corner and, and I, I can do this and I'm, and I'm feeling positive. And then that just translated into her slagging off fresh coat. Yeah, it like, is. Oh, well, look, and also... You can be negative now. It really... if I forgive this storyline if we're building to some depth here where Gemma perhaps has a relapse and finds that some days she feels good and some days she feels bad and we actually have that explored some way and you know she might feel disheartened next week when she doesn't feel like making a vlog or getting out of bed or anything but it just felt very simplistic and 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 um uh fake that you can just take a pill and go to one counseling session and then do you a vlog and then you know better. the source of your problems is fresh yeah. go and if you do a video about it you're gonna generally uh, are you saying you want to see more Gemma scenes where they do, where they really do you want her to, to have a two hander with Chesney? <laughs> <laughs> How dare you suggest that? But no, I I think, I think it's I think it's a bit unfair to people who have suffered with depression and particularly postnatal depression to to tie this up so neatly. And it's so simplistic considering how much work they've done and how much they've invested in Gemma as a character, and to just kind of end it with a. I went to therapy once. And now Sometimes they have to, you know, speed things up a little Sometimes bit in they the do, soaps. But, but, I, but I don't see the benefit then of doing it at all. Mm. I, and I know this is this was a, this was a sto- mm. this was a week of wall to wall issues, and it's nice when Coronation Street does them, and it's very important and it's great. But at the same time, if you're watching a a, a week of learning about mitochondrial disease, finding out why you're everybody's racist and and um what it's like to live as a as a gay black man in in, in the UK today and also 
be, being taught about what it's like to have postnatal depression. After a while, you start to wonder why you're even watching the show because you could just Google or just go onto itv.com slash advice and just learn about it there without, <laughs> you know, but where's, at least, at least with, um, I guess it, it mirrors the, the, the Bailey storyline where you feel like at the end of it, Ed kind of really did develop his character. Gemma here... No, I, I don't didn't feel, feel like, like she's it. learned anything. She's still harping on the same old thing about fresh goes. Mm. She, I, I think it would be powerful if we were we find out after the fact that she was being naive about her speed of recovery because that is very much authentic to the experience. You, you, you will have ups and downs, and you might get carried away at the beginning when you feel like better for the first time in months you suddenly feel okay again you don't feel miserable yeah, and, and awful uh, and then you might relapse and that would be more powerful mm. to me well we'll just have to see won't we? i wanted to get sued by fresh goes i know if i, I was that fresh goes lady I was I'd that, bloody murderer <laughs> she will not shut up about how fresh goes advert was a lie everybody knows it right um oh we just wanted to mention Sean's weird jacket in this story. As it was well, not right for TV. No, that, that, that jacket I don't think works. I don't think he needs to wear that again because it didn't quite look right on cameras. It looked like it was had some Photoshop effect. It did. It, layered it looked on like top one of those of it. ones it was where bizarre. You, you do the drawings, like the hat to shading. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Um, right, uh, the, the, the Evelyn storyline, Gemma, is it? I've lost track. Is it, am I, I just doing did, this Didn't one? I just do Gemma? Okay, so um, Tyrone is um, still... Tyrone's just been teasing Evelyn about this romance, not a romance with Arthur for the last couple of months or so. Um, And on Monday, she's just about to go out dancing with him. And Tyrone's... It's quite sweet because he's protective of her and like saying, you you watch... You you better treat my nana nicely, Arthur. But (laughs) um, yeah, he wishes them a good time and they come back later and uh, Evelyn's brought home some coconut pyramids. I I liked it when she kind of went off to go out and then she came back and got the Tupperware tub. That was was quite blanching. Oh yeah, that was good. Uh, Anyway, they've had a lovely time and they're left alone there downstairs and uh, it was just a really, really sweet scene. I, I love, I love anything Arthur and Evelyn, and he's like, e, "You've got a lot, a lot softer in your old age." And Evelyn doesn't let him think he's right, even though she has, and she clearly is sweet on him. But she's still just, she doesn't want to break character almost to to she admit calls, it. She calls herself an equal opportunity tyrant, and perhaps I just need to insert a little uh, asterisk there to say, not in the same way that Don probably thinks he is. Yeah. <laughs> She's, she's saying, well, don't you say I'm gone soft, I've got a reputation to keep up. I'm yeah. horrible to men, I'm horrible to women. I'm an equal opportunity tyrant. Anyway, he says, I can, I can see right through you, our Evelyn. Um, and and oh. Wednesday, Wednesday um, he's there eating breakfast when Tyrone comes downstairs. Well, he's and he's right under the table. Yeah, and, and Tyrone makes some, uh, some comments about that, as you can expect. And Evelyn's very quick to point out that no, Arthur is just stopping off here on the way to the medical centre. Oh, he's going to die. Well, yeah, um, and and there's just more teasing. Basically, I'm kind of watching this going. I want more of this story because it's it's sweet. Every, everything know, with Evelyn Arthur is is sweet. Something's gonna happen. I know. I think something's this is horrible being built is up happen. into such a lovely idyllic situation. Um, I think I, I want them to have. He's gonna have a dark secret, or he's gonna die. I'd like them to have a bit of a nice story first. 
You know, it just doesn't to really feel make it feel bad when he dies because we haven't seen much of a story with them. It's just getting to know each other, and I think if we were lulled into a false sense of security a little bit before they started foreshadowing something awful happening, and and maybe it's just because you know we're seasoned soap watchers and we know that this kind of romance never works out. I, I yeah. don't. Know. It rem- it reminded me a little bit of um of Rita going out with um, Ted Sullivan back in the 90s and he was like the perfect oh, yeah. gentleman and he swept her off her feet and then and then he found out he she found out that he had a brain tumor and um and, and the, that felt fairly quick but I I did feel Didn't like he want to marry her they go did, on they, holiday yeah he he wanted to marry her and take her off to Florida that's right uh, and then she was like that I'm not moving to Florida if if you're going to die there and then I'll be left to, <laughs> left away with all my friends there's only so many trips I can, can take move, to Magic Kingdom we never really put together that you could just go back home <laughs> um but that that felt to me like they it was it was built up soon and uh, slowly enough their relationship before the tragedy really struck in and, and and I'm not getting that. I yet wonder if it will be along Arthur. the same lines as that. Like in my mind, I've just suddenly thought maybe maybe Arthur knows he's dying, and he wants to marry Evelyn to so she can inherit his money. Maybe. Or oh, or too... his wife is dying. What? Yeah, he's got a wife, and um, <laughs> she's dying, but he doesn't like her, and he wants to move on before she's dead, kind of like Paul. Or, like I said before, he is a serial killer and he needs somebody to cover for him when he's off, like, during countdowns You're convinced. Countdown you're, you're, gonna, you're, you're, you're gonna be insufferable well, when it turns is, out that he is actually a serial the killer. The thing is, like, of all the things yeah, I can right, think right, of, right. that's the one that would be tragic, but also really fun and interesting. Because, actually, if Evelyn found out that this guy that she fell for is a serial killer... <laughs> It would be horrible and tragic, but it would also kind of like harden her shell even more. Like you can't trust anybody, um, and it would be unusual because I think we, you know, we, we it would just be said interesting to see that where... we've we've seen her open up, which yeah. I am enjoying. But to have something happen that yeah hardens her, and or... I just the, the only things I can think of are all medical related, and we've already had enough I think, medical I think tragedies. Watching Coronation want... Street, watching you know two thousand and tens Coronation Street, all this time just. You can't think of anything else other than medical yeah, issues. Yeah, I know, and it's weird because there was that's a all they long ever stretch to have. of time in which Coronation Street didn't really do any medical storylines at all. No. And it was blissful and wonderful. And, I mean, we've been watching classic like vintage quarry for how many years now? Fifteen. We've, nobody's had anything wrong with them. Well, you know, Vera Lomax wouldn't... Uh, well, Vera Lomax died, but nobody cared about her, apparently. Until no, May no, Hardman, really. uh, Yes, but, yes, but you know, there were no, there's no like lingering illnesses and hospital visits, and they managed to make a TV show that was quite popular for 15 years without having to rely on people dying like clockwork mm. of mysterious ailments. Well, you know, we're, we're making assumptions just because everything seems to be going nicely, but you never know. Maybe this is just going to be I'm saying don't a do feel it. good story. No, because that doesn't happen. In, a, in amongst all the rest of the tragedy that the other, the other street residents are going through in 2020. There's no such thing as a happy ending for a relationship on, on a soap. Mm. Well, I just think that the, the actor that they've got playing um, Arthur, and I can't remember what his name is, seems is quite a, a big name. And Although, I mean, so is Maureen Lippman. I'm thinking, are they going to keep him in the show, or is he just a guest He's going to run spot? out of budget. 
Yeah, I wonder, I wonder. I know, I know. And I, mm. Can I, uh, before we move on, and, and we're pretty much at the end now, I, I want to give a bit of credit to Evelyn's line, get some Lux Flakes and wash your mind out, which she <laughs> says to Tyrone when he's uh, making fun of Arthur staying overnight. That was a, that was a good one. Um, that's, that's basically it. All that happened in the Street Fighter story was David's been on his run with Craig and he admits that, yeah, he's he's running away from these scallies is what's giving him a buzz and Craig says... Do drugs. Um, Craig says, don't think too much. Get on with each other and have some fun. That's my that's my advice for life. Get on with each other and have some fun? Yeah. Get on with who? Other human beings. What if they're, don't taunt what, them. What if they're Don? Don't take any more risks, David. And, and that was all we had with that, literally. So nothing much to say there. And that is it. I think Craig should like get a job working for the uh, greetings card industry. <laughs> I mean, that could cover any kind of event, couldn't it? Very true. And he could he could even design the front cover because Craig's an excellent artist. Yeah. I, apparently, I don't know whether he's, he's, he's lost that skill since he's become a special constable. Um, okay, so what are we what are we rating this week then? It's tricky. There were some really powerful moments, and I am. I am glad that we had the Bailey stuff because even though I felt at times it was a bit clumsy, um, it was still really powerful and it and it was important, and you can't ignore that part of that of the Bailey's experience, as you know if they were real people they would have this experience and and it is reductive to kind of always put put these storylines to characters like that mm. but you can't again you can't pretend it doesn't happen yeah so um it's kind of like i'm glad that they've done it and i kind of now i want to put that to one side and let the baileys explore other parts of of their family life and yeah. things that are perhaps a bit more unique to them specifically yeah because yeah. we had a little bit of that with the bailey when uh, when ed was doing his gambling <laughs> for all of two episodes for two episodes and then he realized he didn't like foxy bingo <laughs> <laughs> but yeah a bit a bit more stuff that's just really specific to the baileys not g- generally their experience well i mean maggie is involved in the ollie story isn't she yeah. she's lingering around the children's ward i think that's really good as well that they they put her in in that story and we're seeing her at work there, there doesn't, there hasn't been much crossover. Interestingly, when she phoned up Ed last week and and said, "Oh, I got, to, I'm going to be coming home late because this is happening with Ollie." No, nothing's happened there, has it? But mm-hmm. there's going to, I assume, there'll be some crossover somehow. Um, so I, I, I'm going to give Ed my character of the week this week yeah. just for standing up to uh, to Don. Me too. I, I just, I felt it was a really interesting dichotomy with a do I do I just sit back and take it? Is that for the best? Did you just let them? Is it is it better to just let people say their thing because sticks and stones may break my bones, blah, 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 and, and Michael saying, no, you've got to fight. I mean, I, I was thinking, what would I do if I was in Ed's position? And, I, and I'm probably the sort of person that would just take it. Take it. And, Whereas well, you would probably fight back, wouldn't both. you? Well, there's, there's arguments to be made for both. I wouldn't you say know. Ed is wrong. Are you, but... if, you, if you take it onto yourself to, to stand up every time you, that happens, you're going to be fighting for the rest of your life. And Michael's young and he hasn't experienced as much as, as, as um, Ed is. And who is he to tell Ed that he is wrong mm. when Ed has so much more life experience? But equally, and he's, Michael's yeah, he's got of the a generation... To show it. Yeah, but equally, Michael is of a generation where he doesn't... He, it's, it's brilliant that Michael doesn't just want to accept that 
you know, baseline that, that Ed's decided is an acceptable level of racism to mm. exist in. And Michael has higher standards. And 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 the, the hope that we're left with when Michael spoke to Grace and Tiana is that Tiana's level will be, you know, a higher yeah. one than, than Michael has had to endure until we get to the stage where... Yeah. Not that that will ever happen, but wouldn't it be lovely if that did? But you can only fight bit by bit and and take the fight from where you are mm. and and ed has been so used to to this not being a big deal yeah so uh for for ed's real character development and standing up for his family and finally and accepting james, james um i'm gonna give him character of the week yeah, this week and i'm too. going to score it it's hard because there was there was some really powerful stuff but i think it was it felt like a a heavy week and there wasn't much light there wasn't any joyous light and, and the, funny. apart apart from the evening and arthur that was the that was the shining moment of ah oh, everything's going to be okay in the week but i'm, I'm going to even give it... even Gemma kind of supposedly overcoming her depression just rang false and yeah. hollow to me you give your score first because i sometimes feel like i give my score then you usually give half a point higher than me so i want to see where well i think i'm going to give it three and a half oh, see i was going to say three Mongolian and a half throat singers ah uh, nice so that that was supposed to be a moment of lightness as well i, I I, that didn't work for me but yeah three and a half mongolian throats i'm going to give it three and a half equal opportunity tyrants <laughs> out of five um now um what? We're, we're not going to have a cabin section this week there's a, not a whole lot of news there is a little bit but i think we'll leave it until next week because otherwise the cabin's only going to be about 30 seconds long but but we, we had a very did long another... we did a very long cabin last week yeah but colson's done another good news cory thing which is fun to watch oh, yeah, and yeah, he yeah. mentioned um the Cory blog, which is brilliant. Oh, Cor- they, he he mentioned their A to Z's that they Yeah, they did. Doing. That was a really brilliant idea. I've really, really enjoyed that. Every yeah. day for the past, you know, three and a bit weeks, there's been a, a letter of the alphabet a day where people have been um, asked to, to post pictures and, and write a Coronation Street related thing beginning with that alphabet yeah. letter that makes them smile. And I've had so much fun thinking of some really obscure references to Coronation Street yeah, past really and fun. finding pictures. That's been really, really good. So I'm glad that they got some, some credit for that. Yeah, but, definitely. Um, say again, Colson. No, for God's When's sake. our turn? No, we're not going to get in there. <laughs> okay, um, let's So we're going to go straight to feedback. We, we will do some yeah. feedback, yeah. Okay. Okay, then, so feedback time. And um, it was really the, the score on last week's Facebook poll was pretty... Poll? 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 Poll. Yes. It was pretty much threes across the board with a couple of people voting either way. But so our average score ended up being 3.03. So a fairly kind of average Consistent. week, it was, uh, according to last week's voters. Um, Fiona gave it... Oh, I didn't get what she scored of it. She scored it out of West Side Stories, directed by Quentin Tarantito. I'm assuming she gave it three. Um, Pat gave it three bosoms hoisted up to her chin. And Andrew gave it three lovely gay heads out of five. <laughs> and um, speaking of Andrew, he's also um, got our first bit of feedback today. Although he only just sent it, but I thought it was uh, quite timely because he um, wanted to give his commentary on this week's episode. Well, tonight's episode specifically. Uh, and he said it was a fan bloody tastic episode. He says, I thought it was beautifully scripted, emotional, and ultimately uplifting. It had us both in tears by the end. Oh, well done, Corey. I thought that the scene with Kevin was good too. I think we all know or have come across a Kevin, and it was great to have Dev tell him to ask what's acceptable and talk about it. Bravo! For totally different reasons to Yasmin, it still left me on top of the world about Corey on a Friday night. 
fantastic. That's really good. I mean, that's that's what they want, isn't it? And these kind of stories are always gonna work for some people and not for others. So yeah, I mean, on our Facebook group, we've got two threads, and one thread is sort of saying, "I I didn't really think that worked. It's a bit too preachy," and another thread saying that was brilliant. Mm. Yeah. it's a a very difficult one to get right especially almost in the space of one episode I know it had been building up to it but this was the the one episode that they really you know wanted to go gung-ho with it I honestly I was before I sat down to watch it tonight knowing that this was coming up I was ready to slate it or ready to not really like it but not really be able to slate it too much because I know that they had their heart in the right place. But actually, as I was watching it, I was going, no, no, you know what? I think this is working for me. And, and yes, it felt a bit preachy at times, but um, so some of the, the the moments that were supposed to have the biggest impact, i.e. Ed's speech to 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 Don in the bistro and his, his uh, Ag- Aggie's tearful speech and, and the, the stuff with James in the yard at the end, that... That worked for me, I would say so. Um, have you f- have you finished reading Andrew's out? Yes, it was just a short one from Andrew. Um, I Paul on our on our um, Facebook group. I'll just quickly read a little bit of what he said. Um, uh, Bailey's were great episode veered towards heavy handedness, but on the whole, it was an involving episode centering on a family unit who, until tonight, were having their potential wasted. That's a very good point. And Polly said, thought it was a brilliant episode. Well done, Corey, for not showing away from showing how black and Asian people often hear these comments and feel unable to say anything as they are likely to be accused of being too, too sensitive. Good point. Mm. Hopefully it'll get people um, talking and thinking. Um, we had some people who felt it was, like I said, there's quite a few people who thought it was a bit preachy and um, it uh, in your face. And uh, Liam said it reminds, reminds them of um, EastEnders. Um some people thought it was boring. So a range, a massive range of... I, I can't... I don't think it is going to have lots of people talking about it. Really? I felt... Mm. It really felt like an event TV episode to me, mostly because of the direction when they, tran- you know, changed from the day to the, the evening scene. That's it was certainly, like you know, directed you know, in a way to well, for them saying episode. this is a special yeah. one, but coming so soon after the Yasmin episode, which was an event, although that was an event for a different reason, wasn't it? That was that was the, the, the culmination of a, of many months of abuse from Jeff towards Yasmin and there was the, and there was the stabbing at the end. It was very um spectacular and sensational and this wasn't this was about you know issues and, and teaching you a lesson and everything. I, I I, I don't know whether it will get people talking, but, I, I know, but I'd like to say, I, I'd be interested to see if they show this on Gogglebox, because we didn't talk about this on the podcast before, but on Gogglebox a few weeks ago, or was it just last week's episode? I can't remember. They showed the families there reacting to the Jeff Yasmin Friday night episode. And, and they had some, that it was really interesting to see all the different reactions to that and some people being really, really affected and crying for Yasmin. And I'd like to see them talking about it as well. Yeah, but don't forget that we're coming from this of the perspective of two white people watching an episode about black people experiencing racism and saying, oh, yeah, I felt like it was an educational thing. But other people who've experienced racism are going to be coming at it from a completely different perspective and it will feel 
maybe I don't know more like validation to see something on screen that you've experienced and kind of feel like yes I've been vindicated this happens you know I don't think think it's going to have many people transforming into saying oh I am a racist actually I'm going to stop that now whereas the Yasmin storyline is hopefully going to be inspiring some people in abusive relationships to seek advice yes I know but my point is if you've experienced racism or you can identify with the Baileys it's going to feel more empowering. Like, we don't feel empowered yeah. by watching that. We felt like we were being told something. Mm. And you don't need to be told about racism if you experience it. So the way that you would you watch that is going to be different. And I think yeah, that different groups of people are going to get something different out of that out of that episode. Mm. And so if you felt it was a bit preachy, it's probably because you haven't experienced it. Possibly. I'd, I'd be interested to see how people who had experienced some of what Ed and Michael had had to put up with, what they thought, did they think... Because it's perfectly possible that you've experienced these things and then you watch that and go, that's not what it's like. Yeah, I know. Well, that's that's why Emma was in there, I think. Yeah. And I think it's fair to say that not everybody has the same experience. Mm. And and some people don't have to put up with this as much as others do. Mm. Anyway... Next yeah. email, this comes from Chica, and this is just about missed last week's podcast. It came in on Saturday morning, so right. apologies for not being able to get that one in. It's too late. Um, I didn't particularly love the idea of David just going off on a crazy thrill seeking adventures again, but it made sense considering he's lost Shona. I'm really, I really am enjoying the storyline involving the Baileys and racism. I think it's going to be one of those storylines that doesn't seem critical at first, but touches a lot of people later. It could be fair to say that I want Asha and Nina to become a couple based on how nearest saved her from the bullies the week prior but I have no idea whether it was going to happen or not and I also think Craig will end up with Kelly because Kelly reminds him so much of how lost Bethany was I can't wait to see Jeff get his comeuppance for abusing Yasmin but I have no idea what that looks like very good point it looks like lots of different things to different people and we don't I don't we're not all going to get our way are we no are there any other romances you would like to see occur on the street please let me know I don't know that there are I mean I I I hadn't really considered Craig and Kelly before, and it Which could one's Kelly, the, Kelly the Kelly the uh, you know the daughter of Neelan. dead Neelan. Kelly yeah. Neelan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's she, she's certainly being painted as a bit of a cowbag at the moment, isn't Can she? Can I say something controversial and woke? Yes. I want Craig to be asexual, a romantic. But he's fancied Bethany. Yeah, but it's, it's gay gay people have had relationships with straight people. You know, gay men have had relationships with straight women before because they didn't know that they were gay. What have you got a reason why Craig particularly? You you'd like to explore that? Well, number one, I would like them to take the pressure off of a character to have to have a romance. Yeah, and number two, I think. It's got to be somebody out of the generation of younger characters who's going to discover this about themselves because I think it would be more authentic and feel more realistic that a character of a younger age who has this kind of pantheon of sexualities to pick from um, would then realise that about themselves rather than it coming in later life like we found out Tracy's bisexual Mm -hmm. out of nowhere um, earlier this year. Um, Craig, I just... I just don't want to see his heart broken. So I just would like him... We already saw it with his little artist girlfriend a couple of years ago, didn't we? I just think it would make sense that he... 
that somebody's got to be it. I mean, the people who are asexual and aromantic do exist, you know. Oh, I want to see a happy ending for him. But but the happy ending could be him just deciding that he doesn't need anybody else. Maybe it'd be interesting, I you know? suppose. But maybe, but I don't mind the idea of him and Kelly either because I think that, that she does need to be redeemed. She, I she, think Kelly. She had too... to be the baddie when she sent the video off. But I think she. I did believe her when she was apologetic to Dev about Kelly her afterwards. Would break his heart and, and I think crush she, him. I think, I think she, she is... probably would. I don't think she's a very nice person. I think that she got caught out doing something crap and she didn't really mean for it to go as far as she did. But just because you're apologetic about something that you've done wrong doesn't mean you're a good person. I think that they, she's quite... Uh, because she's such a recent character, though, they could kind of mould her and change her personality yeah, if they decided, yeah. let's put those two it together. It could also so be very exciting to have a police officer dating the daughter of a... Um, yeah. <laughs> of a loan shark who's been murdered by somebody Mm. is he going to start to realize putting together clues from what kelly said that perhaps rick's never coming back yeah maybe that's that 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 would be very interesting i mean this is the thing like chike's saying uh, what other romances would you like to see occur that perhaps is a clue to what i like in a romance in that it is part of a story not just two characters getting together and i'm supposed to like the fact that they're passing each other like Pushing. Yeah, kissing. So why so that like Craig and So what? Craig <laughs> and Kelly having a relationship could lead to lots of nice, interesting plot developments. You know? Yeah. So rather sometimes, than just Yeah, just like throwing think, characters together because they're like, like coronation me, like that's is, why I'm I'm reluctant to have Asha and Nina get together because I think it would be a bit to look at us, we've got a lesbian couple, one of them is a goth and the other one is Asian. Wow. Yeah. You know, like, look, look, look at this. Like, we're woke, you know what I mean? I don't necessarily mm. want the fact... Like, I don't want another bloody Kana. Mm. Coronation Street um, is notoriously bad in recent years at developing relationships anyway they do just like to throw a couple together and then the next thing we see is they're having an argument over something and then they fall out i just don't i just don't want asha and nina to become a cheap gimmick because those characters are more than just a bunch of half of a gimmick yeah and that's why i'm reluctant to have that happen in the show but i can see why people would really like it to happen i just don't think it would play out in a respectful way because i think the fandom is so immature, they just can't allow it to happen without turning it into something it's not. Mm. Yeah, I just I just think Coronation Street isn't very good at, at relationships. There, there, I, and, I, and there isn't anybody, I don't really think about, oh, well, I hope so-and-so get together. Yeah, you were saying Sometimes about because... somebody that's got together, weren't you, just then? when I um, Oh, you. yeah, Adam, Adam, <laughs> Adam and Sarah. I forget they're married. Yeah, me too. What was the point? What is the point? I mean, maybe there's some plot in there that's going to happen sometime but it i know even characters that we're really invested in and really like like for example imran and toya i don't if they broke up i'd be really sad but there's no where's the romance where's Mm. the where's the development of them why how do we get invested in couples i feel as though coronation street takes people's affection for a character and then hopes that will transfer into you liking somebody as a unit in, in a relationship and so it's certainly saying it does work because like, i could really like imran and toya together but not through any effort that has been put into it from coronation street or the writers to develop them no it's just because we like imran and we like toya yeah and and 
I think about all the big character, like the couples of the past. That there's nobody at there's the moment. No that's big like, romance. There's no big. There's no Stan and Hilda or Jack ages. and Vera. Or there's, there's nothing like that. But those characters were introduced as couples, weren't they? Mm. I know that I know that Vera was in it before Jack was introduced, but they were always married, weren't yeah. they? Can Coronation Street just not do convince? And it seems crazy they can't make convincing couples get together because there's a story about people. Mm. And one of the most defining things of anyone's life is their their loves and losses. Yeah, now Aggie and Ed have come together as a couple. They've been invented for each yeah, other. Yeah, true, true. And they're really, I think they work really well. And they're the most, they're one of the most convincing couples on the street because they, they the establishment didn't happen on the screen. Which is mm. bizarre. But then they don't show enough of them. No, I know, but... but they, they feel like they fit together. They're a but... far more convincing partnership than Sarah and Adam. Mm. And and Sarah and Gary before them as well, I think. But, yeah, anyway, um, I'm just going to skip So it. all we did with, with, to answer Chike's question was complain about the romances that already exist. Yeah. No, I can't think of any other romances that I would really like to see. Really don't have a romantic brain. Uh, no, I don't. I'm, I'm not much of a shipper. Um, I'm just kind of skipping ahead in the emails because that email was about Craig and we got another one from Richard about Craig like, um, later on, which I'm just going to skip ahead to now. And he says, I know Craig's employment status has been discussed before, but I thought I would share the following. Craig <laughs> is a special constable and most definitely doesn't get paid, which begs the question of why he seemed to quit being a window cleaner when he started his police work a couple of years ago. And what does he do for income? A special constable is a volunteer, but with the same arrest powers as a paid officer. I will say with confidence that this is worrying, as I was a special constable myself for five years in the late 1980s and early 90s. I was rubbish, which in fairness, Craig isn't. But he definitely doesn't get paid. It wouldn't do it full time. I did about one shift a week. All very odd. Can you go back? Sorry, go back. Oh, go sorry. back. I'm just scrolling around. So Richard around. said, um, this is worrying. Why is it worrying? Because where's he getting his money from? How can he support oh, okay. himself? I just assume still... that Beth's, get, Beth's pay. I mean, the, he lives with Toya and Imran, doesn't he? Yeah. In a flat. So I just assume that Beth's paying his rent. Where's she getting that money? I, I, I hadn't know. really thought about it You're before. Right, it I, I, I mean, I. Is he still a special constable? I suppose he... I mean, I looked on Coropedia earlier and he's still listed as that there, but to me that didn't mean anything until Richard pointed out that these are volunteers. And I had a little look online and it's like, yeah, they don't get paid anything. But he seems to be doing it all the time. He doesn't seem to do anything for income, which is crazy because Coronation Street is full of people that got multiple jobs, like, you know, Sean, for example. So why isn't Craig doing half police work, half, you know, working at prima donna? One thing that you never really get a sense of when you watch Corrie is the real, the real life grind or, or reality of what it's like to do certain jobs. And it's weird because they like to, Corrie likes to be educational and they like to have issues and they like to really research things. But I feel like there's a massive missed world of, of learning about what it's like to be a certain job. They have seen set at the job, but it's mostly just two characters like, talking about another story. But at it would have the been job, really interesting to have followed Craig's development and career, like just every so often. Yeah, I'm now I'm a special constable. Well, what does that mean, Craig? Well, it means that I'm this, that, and the other. Because I literally don't know anything about police officers. Um, I don't know what the progression is. What, what I don't really know what special officer is. I know that they're community of. What are they? 
What are those people that walk around that aren't really police um, officers? Community support officers. Yeah, well, I don't even know what they are. Or where do they even, come they, from? They can't even arrest you. You just say, do one, copper. Yeah. Do one, fake copper. Like mm-hmm. that. But you know what I mean? Yeah, Craig's and, role as a police officer seems to be that he it's handy to have a police officer character who can be there to arrest somebody even, when another character gets into a bit of spot of bother with the law. Even their idea of what it's like to be a, like a journalist is a bit fantastical. Like you can work for two weeks on one story and then it's not even about something that happened this week. Although not, I got told off about that by Andrew. Uh, uh, oh, and then you get snapped up by a London magazine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then you never need to go back to your birthplace again. Yeah, but... Although Lucy Fallon did apparently say, I, I saw a headline, I didn't even read the article earlier today, saying that she would 100% go to, back to Corrie. So, oh, uh, interesting. Yeah, she hasn't I mean, given up. Also, like, like um, Carla with this beard oil thing, we'll never hear about that again, probably, but it'd be quite fun to, to watch somebody grow a business from the ground up. It'd be really interesting to see someone grow a beard using <laughs> some Sinead's beard oil and just imagine, plot the course of that beard over if, the course of a few months. Imagine if Sinead was so simple-minded that she she accidentally developed something that was a topical growth ointment to grow hair on somebody's skin at any point you you applied it and never realised before she died the incredible power that she had and how much she could sell it for. If you <laughs> sold it to bold men, you would never need to work another she day in your life. A miracle cure. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Slap it on Bertie's head, make him a hairy baby. Nobody likes hairy babies. So do you want me to read Stephanie? You read Stephanie's This email. is from Crazy Canadian Cat Lady Stephanie. And that is her her self-defined name is not my fault <laughs> or she, she could be the crazy Canadian cat Lady Stephanie <laughs> <laughs> um, she said I so love your cooking segment that you put up on YouTube it was nice to see Abby the cat she's got a beautiful face Michael your soup looked really yummy but I hate barley too I'm super impressed you did any cooking I'm a big cook but I know some people who've never turned on their stove or oven because they can't cook I had to cook my own dinner tonight as well didn't stop I? encouraging him Stephanie it's terrible that he can't cook I'm glad you liked it it was quite nice and we, we spoke to Gemma's mum um, earlier this evening didn't we and she said I tried your soup it was nice I don't know this she is did say it polite was, she said it was nice which was a definitely interesting word for my mum to use because she never really would describe food as nice <laughs> I thought it was nice. Fine. It was fine. I'm glad you enjoyed the video segment. Lots Stephanie. of people said that they enjoyed that that cooking bit, so we're gonna have to do that again. Yes. I think. Um she said this week in Canada was fantastic, so two weeks ago for you guys. At the beginning of the week I felt so bad for Yasmin getting the clap from Jeff and then the, the piece of human excrement blamed it on her. Then finding it burning all her things in that skanky red dress. I was saying a few words at the TV that my church pastor would not approve of. <laughs> then Jugular Jeff, as I like to call him, got it in the neck, so to speak. I think Yasmin was channeling Bethany Platt when she sliced open that guy's face. Love, 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 love this week. Yeah, maybe she was thinking Bethany got away with this when she when she glassed that you person. Glass I'm going to do it. I now stabbed him. Might as well. Everybody gets one. Yeah. I'm hoping now that the storyline will will come to a close soon. While I'm loving the acting and the storyline is great, I spend far too much time screaming at the TV. I don't think it's good for my blood pressure. I'm giving this week five out of five red dresses that hide the blood when you shank him. <laughs> Chatting off now to listen to the podcast that goes with this week's episode. That's lovely. I, I, hope, I, I hope you enjoy it. We speak quite um quite vivaciously. Is that the right word? No, not at all. Quite. Eloquently, I don't know. Excitedly. What does vivacious mean? Vivacious is like when you're like a sexy and... I was doing that as well. About last, about that She's episode. She's usually a woman. Oh, okay. 
Like, you were speaking, Vivesh. Maybe. No, it's more the way you look. Excitedly about that story. Like, I try to use these big words. I hate words. it when I don't people ask I mean. me to, dis- to define a word because I never can define it, but I'm pretty sure I know how to use it correctly <laughs> in the sentence. I don't. I'm terrible. I have a teacher. God. Rebecca says that she's sad that Yasmin didn't get bail, but like we said, maybe it's good that Shelley King gets a rest. Loving Alia standing up for Yasmin and telling Sean everything so he will blab it to the customers. As she said, Sean's such a gossip. I, however, don't think her changing the locks was such a good idea as when Jeff gets out of hospital, he'll say that he has a right through marriage and Alia will have to change them back. That's what I just think. That's the only possible way yeah. that that's going to end. You can't hope to think that you can lock somebody out of their house. Mm. Tim is annoying me going against Yasmin and whispering yes when she didn't get bail. Still hoping Sally puts the pieces together and saves Yasmin. I hope that it's not too long before this story comes back onto the scene because it really, um, it's, it's been notably absent this week's Coronation Street and it's, it's getting to the exciting part, isn't it? Um, I felt bad for Leanne this week and I was glad that she now knows what Steve went through when Oliver started fitting in the first place. Um, the David mention was jarring, especially as Nick is only related to Leanne through going out with Nick. And Angie, there is a thing called patient... Uh, sorry, as Aggie. There is such a thing called patient's confidentiality, you know. With uh, I was thinking earlier about um, about different people sharing their experiences and everything, and I was wondering whether this could be an opportunity for Kevin to forget again that he lost a young child. Yeah. Just Just when he remembered about young baby... What's his face? I've forgotten his name. Bob. Yeah. Um, baby and or Bob. Maybe Jenny as well. Also, tragically lost I know, there's child, so many know, people yeah. that um, have had experiences yes. that are tragic. I don't know why anybody would care <laughs> um, about Ollie. I've lost where I am. I uh, love the sarcastic poem that David wrote in Gail's birthday card and the scenes with Gail and Audrey and appreciated the Ted mention too. I really hope they don't turn Kathy into someone still hanging about with Bernie. Although, Dev and Bernie would be a fun couple. Huh? Dev and Bernie? Can't say I've given that much thought. actually, that would be really interesting. Sorry, that was Abby purring. Yeah, Yeah. Abby's Abby's coming to say hello. Wow, I think that they would be... um, I I think they would be fiery and short-lived, but it's definitely fascinating to watch. I can see see him giving it a go with Bernie. I think he would definitely be intrigued by Bernie's vivaciousness. Ah, there we go. <laughs> I also didn't like the Kathy and Bernie drinking scene either. I did, however, enjoy seeing Tall Matt for the first time. I much prefer Bernie being Mama Bernie rather than Chav Wait Bernie. Wait a minute, is Tall Matt a character that's been mentioned before? Apparently so. I didn't I saw know some this. people discussing this on Twitter last week. Oh, so it's all right to be Tall Matt, but it's not all right to be Fat Brenda. He's the Fat Brenda, yeah. Well, can I just say, it's all very well to say... Some people are very sensitive about their it's, height. It's bad to, to call somebody fat, but what if Fat Brenda owns it? Well, yeah. What if Fat Brenda She, did, she likes didn't even get a fat. chance to defend herself. The fact that you say you're not allowed screen. to call her Fat Brenda means that you're putting a judgment on fatness when it should be a neutral body uh, expression. <laughs> um, I, uh, where I was last to, I'm uh, glad they brought up Michael working at Underworld and assuming Ed will be involved in a racism storyline. You got it right. I think so. And I thought that Don was also the same guy who shouted abuse at James. The Gemma yeah. and Chesney therapy scene was sweet, but I don't really need it at the moment. And hopefully we'll see more Ethan and Arthur this week. Just a little bit. Character of the week is Alia, and I give it three sarcastic poems written by David out of five. Thank you very much, Rebecca, for your tweets, as always. I think that's it. Uh, oh, we we did have uh, a, a, an extra long email from Chris this week, didn't we, actually? Which, um, yeah. 
we, right. We're going to save that for um, next week because we have to read it properly. It's very long and we have to make sure that we um, we can't read it all out. But we're gonna. Um, yeah, so it feels like this. This this could be a, a, an extra long thing yeah, yeah, yeah. if you read it all that. And we haven't even recorded our bonus episode yet about the nineteen seventies Coronation Street and it's twenty to eleven at night. So we need to we need to get no, off soon. Fine. But just but before we'll, we finish, we have got another message that I just remembered from a fan girl overload. One two three, Gemma, do you want to read this or it's, it's on my phone? So it's, I'll, I'll I'll read it oh. then. Oh god, no, you read it. No, you read it. No, no, I thought you were going to pick up my phone. I'm allowed to move your phone. You can then read. Yeah. She says, "I am really starting to think that the Oliver storyline might not have a happy ending. I hope I'm wrong, though. I think Gemma's vlog was very good, as it is something many families do nowadays. The Bailey story was by far the best of the week, and casual racism is something that needs to be talked about. Corey hasn't been the best at tackling that issue in the past stories. You know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about there." I really like the friendship between David and Craig, but Corey isn't always the best at following through on friendships. I also liked how Evelyn and Arthur brought light to quite a dark week. Character of the week is the Anne, and I give it three half Nelsons out of five. <laughs> Lovely. Thanks very much. Thank you very much. Right, and that is definitely going to be it for today's main bit of the episode. But as I said, we have still got a bonus episode this week. Maybe you've already listened to it, because it's going to be about Coronation Street from 1970 to 1974, which we've just finished watching on our DVD epic odyssey of Coronation Street. Um, anything else, Gemma? Oh, we had a Patreon episode we put out this week, so if you're, uh, if you're on the, uh, the, the Bistro or Rose Return tier, don't forget to check that out. We talk about our five funniest Coronation Street characters. Of all time. Yeah, and uh, we get we got a nice range for that, don't yeah, we? Yeah, we do. I think um, was it, was, it was really, really difficult whittling it down to five, but it was, uh, it was quite fun to talk about, although we discover that describing why characters are funny funny, is not funny no it's really really difficult sometimes putting a yeah putting your finger on what it is that makes something funny and then when you try and explain it it just doesn't come across as being very funny but it's still quite a fun episode to watch anyway i'll be interested to see what other people to listen to to listen to indeed okay i think that's it we done I'm done. Well, don't, right, Gemma, how can people contact us if they want to Email get in us touch? at conversationstreet at gmail.com. Don't forget, if you want to enter the competition, you have oh, to yes. do it really quickly. I forgot about that and competition. And that's the email address to contact us on. You have to put comp, stamp comp in the subject header and tell us who you'd like to see on a stamp. Um, the web address is conversationstreet. You don't Street. get any bonus points or an extra chance if you save me or Gemma on the stamp. No, we'll just go, ah, and just put you into the... <laughs> into the pot with yeah. everyone else. Conversationstreet.podbean.com. Um, you can review us on iTunes. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter and Spotify and Facebook and YouTube and Patreon. And that's it. And if there's a site winner on, I goddamn want to know about it. <laughs> no, I don't actually. That's Can't enough. Can't with anything else. That's enough. It's already difficult enough juggling all these balls. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll see you next week. Ta-ra. Bye. The music for this episode came from podcastthemes.com. Thank you.